Hey everybody, welcome back to the Electronic Gaming Mostly podcast. It's been a while. Gabler was in some foreign country. He was uh, he was thrown out, and he's back. <clears throat> and uh, we got a lot to talk about. <clears throat> God, we're both kind of sick. That's why I sound like Morgan Freeman. Brought back some um, kind of death virus. Yeah, um, I, I've changed my name, so it's, you know, expect to see a change in artwork, some it's name change. Jessica now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so welcome to the Joe Rogan experience. The Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> <laughs> Henceforth, oh, I shall know, be known as have you ever, uh, the Night Terror. World of Warcraft on DMT? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Uh, with Jesus, we got a lot to talk about. There's uh, the Anthem fiasco. There's Division Two that I've been playing nonstop. A little bit of Sekiro, Jedi Fallen Order, Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Holy shit! So let me just do the Angry Joe uh, interview style. Why don't you talk about that, Gabbler? <laughs> uh, wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on. So talk about that. I command you. A lot of things going on. No, oh, all right. What do you want to start with? I once again, I didn't do an outline. What's on your mind? What's on the tip of your? I'm I'm still on the Skywalker thing. Like, the fuck does it mean, man? I mean, props to fucking Disney because I didn't give a shit about the Star Wars. I mean, I liked the Episode Seven. Episode Eight kind of disinterested me. Yeah, but even just the title of episode eight is like, what does that mean? Yeah, we kind of thought the Skywalker story was over, and uh, I guess it's it's rising again, right? <laughs> the only I think I don't I don't I know they won't do this because the SJW Mary Sue bullshit that is we got to have a female that is the hero. Uh, I know they won't do it, but wouldn't it be fucking cool if like ray dies and kylo turns to the light side and that's the rise of skywalker but the problem with that of course is that i don't mind skywalker ray. he's a solo so it, it obviously means that ray's parentage is just not correct in the seventh in, in the sorry the eighth episode I don't so, know well someone already memed the uh <clears throat> the, the new thing it's like star wars it's like hey remember remember see lando <laughs> see, see palpatine remember come on guys mm-hmm. fuck we're desperate <laughs> yeah they still just only have one name for her which is kind of telling i don't know I, I don't know man like what's it mean maybe she gets adopted by leia leia's like <clears throat> you're a skywalker now even though i'm technically a solo because i married han <laughs> I, I don't fucking know. People maybe Luke saying, comes back. Maybe Luke had a kid that we don't know about. You know, maybe Ray is Luke's daughter. Maybe Ray got pregnant by Luke through the Force while they were it on the island. Wouldn't be together. the first time. There was no father. Force impregnation. Whoa. No consent. Sounds fucking a little rapey. Mark Hamill, the <laughs> rapist. Forced impregnation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what I called it, but everybody else said rape, so jail. 
Uh, I used the force to impregnate her. Uh, you raped her, sir. <laughs> you used force? <laughs> uh, that's a little self-incriminating there. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I mean, there's... <laughs> it's a teaser. I haven't seen it, yeah. but I feel like I know all about it's it. It's a good, it's a good teaser. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it eventually. Lion King had another teaser. It actually looks pretty decent. Yeah, I was really on the fence with that because they didn't use Jeremy Irons, and uh, once you see Scar in the movie, it's like, okay, I guess they're going for a more realistic approach. You know, Jeremy Irons. It's just weird to me. Like they're going back and they're making these quote live action remakes of Disney movies, but. Like the Lion King is all animals, so yeah. yeah. I mean, the CGI looks good, but it's not really live action. It's just well, computer animated instead of animated animated. You can't do like you used to do and stuff a carrot <clears throat> up a horse's ass and get it to talk. You know, isn't that people used, used to do, do that? <laughs> <laughs> I know they used to like put peanut butter in the horse's mouth to do that Ed show or something like that. Huh. <laughs> uh. Well, that's a fact. I'm glad I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to Star Wars. Jedi Fallen Order. They released the reveal trailer. And surprisingly, being published by EA, they said no microtransactions, no multiplayer. So it's not a live service game. Yeah, you know which what? Which means Can hopefully... Uh, you know, Can we move past that kind of shit. Like, oh my god, they said there's no microtransactions. Praise, praise them. Like, stop. This is what happens. Well, I think it leaves the developer open to. I mean, I, I don't really care about the microtransaction thing. I don't really think single player games need them. But it kind, it's kind of just like, well, if it doesn't have microtransactions, that means that the developer doesn't have to like spend any time or resources or adjust the game in any way so hopefully you announce know it just fucking put your game out and and let it be discovered if it has it or not like i mean talk about it later not during a fucking teaser trailer well it's at this point in the so you know the desperate. current gaming climate it's a fucking selling point like hey we won't take extra money i know from that's you. what happens when you fucking <clears throat> set the bar so goddamn low that game developers can just come out and be like we don't have it's like the drm shit like nobody gave a fuck about you know, uh, Geralt or Witcher until the fucking developer came out and took advantage of the anti DRM hoopla and was like, we don't have DRM. And everybody's like, oh my God, this guy, these guys are great. It's like, come on. <laughs> are you fucking serious? I mean, I, I honestly, like, I get the idea behind, like, you don't want extra shit in your game. I don't really notice it bogging down resources. I don't pirate games anyway, so. As long as it doesn't break the game because he implemented DRM, like what fucking difference does it make? Exactly. Oh, you want to? I, I get to be online. Yeah, it's because people pieces of shit steal stuff. So they they tried to do as the best they can to figure out how the fuck to get past it. Like it. Jesus Christ, people! It's the same with fucking loot boxes. Like it's the same thing. Loot boxes are terrible. Dude, how do you expect them to keep paying people to work on the game? You don't understand. That's how it works. People, all you fuckboys out there listening right now, understand. If I have a group of developers and I receive an amount of money from a publisher 
I that money goes towards it's not some magical coin machine I put shit in and then it pops out fucking lines of code. I use that money to do things like uh pay the bill for the fucking uh studio I'm at. Uh buy any kind of replacements for lights or computer monitors or anything like that that needs any kind of shit like that. Uh, feed the fucking employees by paying them a fucking paycheck. You know, all you fuckboys out there that complain about this shit, they're the same fucking idiot lefties who are like, hey, living wage. They got to pay them fucking money to survive and live. And then these guys, at the end of it, that, that's all that covers. It covers the process of making the fucking game. And then you release the game, and it could be over with. It could just be over with. Imagine if Black Black Ops 4 or Apex Legends, or Fortnite, came out, and no fucking updates happened. That's what video gaming used to be like. You yeah, but they also used updates. to take their time a little bit more and actually release a game that was That's, a, that's irrelevant, though. You, you, the, the point is, you, that's what you got. You got the game, and then they moved on to the next fucking game. You didn't get constant updates and seasons and shit like that because there was no, they had no formula to keep fucking making money outside of MMOs. That's why MMOs became super popular at the time of World of Warcraft coming out because people were like, what? You can do that? You can just keep updating the same game and make money off of it? Holy shit. But then people didn't want that. They're like, wait, I can't be subscribed to World of Warcraft and Star Wars The Old Republic and Final Fantasy XIV and this whatever. Fuck. Well, so game developers started going, okay, here's an idea. How about we bring out our game and then we do something called DLC where we just allow you to pay, if you want to, you can pay a small amount of money to, to access this other shit. And people started going, wait a minute, that's not cool. That's fucking pay to win. You're fucking paywalling like uh, updates that split the community. Okay, we don't want to split the community, so maps are for free, but we got to figure out something as a game developer releasing a Call of Duty game. What can we have? Well, we can't do guns. That's very appealing to release guns and make people pay for it, but we can't do that. We can't do maps because that splits the community. What the fuck do we do? And people were, suddenly it was like, what about like mustaches and fucking hats? and 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 uh, you know colors well, look, i mean i get shit. it and now people, people are like eh. I, just as much as the next guy you know i would like a game to come out and i pay one price and then i get all this free shit and have him keep supporting the game and i never have to pay anything but i get that you need to make fucking money if you want the game to be supported it's just unrealistic to like have all the positives and none of the negatives the problem is when game companies yeah. just go overboard and in the case of like of black ops they went overboard they released you know $60 base version with, you know, the $100 big version. And then, you know, there was some cosmetic shit and it was cosmetic for a while. And then they started releasing guns and then they started doing loot boxes. And after you paid $100 for the game plus more money and like this, in this case in particular, all the maps and shit were pretty much recycled. They make the same game every year on the same engine. I mean, it's pretty much a copy paste job every single time. There's not a whole lot to maintain with it, you know? And they're adding more and more shit. And you know they're going to abandon the game in probably another six months when they announce the next Call of Duty. So there's a fine line between being realistic and, you know, being not consumer friendly. And Black Ops 4 fucking crossed over into very not consumer friendly. You got yeah, a fucking yeah, $60-$100 game that all of a sudden went pay to win. And uh, now it's dead. It's fucking dead on PC. I mean, you know, a friend of mine went and, uh, you know, he played with us a little bit. 
But he can't find a fucking game on PC. I had to switch to PS4. You no, know, you're right. PC you're gamers absolutely won't stand for right that about shit. that. But but people that I feel like the Black Ops thing is an exception to the rule. Most games that come out don't. Well, have uh, it's a good example as to like what can happen if people don't fucking say something or you know talk with their wallet. And in the case of Black Ops Four, people started speaking with their wallet and started leaving the game, and as as a result fucking the developer went in the opposite direction and said well there's less people so those people that are left we need to make them pay more you know instead of trying to bring those other people back because you know again this isn't like a live service like uh anthem wanted to be with a 10-year plan there's like a one-year plan for call of duty because they know that there's just going to be another one so it's like they're just up in the ante until everyone leaves and when everyone leaves it doesn't fucking matter they made their money and they're going to come back and make a new one and start all over well, yeah, I'm I'm fine with complaining. The problem is everybody complains about everything. That's the that's the real problem. You know, look at all the backlash on fucking Destiny with with their fucking uh, DLC shit. Like people people destroyed that game <clears throat> because of their their feedback. Yeah, and that was a very reasonable loot box system. I think it was very reasonable. I even think it's a little bit reasonable, the Battlefield one. I know everybody was upset. Sorry, the Battlefront. The Battlefront 2 loot box system. Everybody was upset about that shit. Like, oh my God, look, look at all this shit. Like, it's just, listen, it's, it's, a, it's exactly what you said in the sense that there are examples in history and even recently there's few examples it's there these are exceptions to the rule that's happening these days because we already fought this battle 10 years ago we fought this battle 10 years ago against the concept of pay to win okay you do not complain when it's cosmetic period period you don't complain when it's cosmetic why because it's fucking <clears throat> optional okay you Blizzard, okay, makes you pay $15 a month and then still have to pay $25 to buy a fucking mount. That's unacceptable because you're already paying a sub fee to access the game. Now, the sub fee is not supposed to be server access. The sub fee is supposed to cover not only server access, but uh, development costs, patching, anything that's worked on. Anything that's worked on in World of Warcraft should be afforded to you not just handed to you, but you should be you should have acquisition to acquire it without paying more money through the process of the fact that you are paying $15 a month. That's the whole point of a goddamn subscription fee. You play a game like Blackout. I mean, up until they add a weapon, once you add weapons, that's the problem. And now if the if the weapons are accessible in the game and it's just a catch-up mechanic. That's not a problem. Well, it's not only that, in Black Ops, it's not even like, oh, hey, I lucked out and got it on the first box. Like, it was part of that thing where you go through, like, the tiers, right? And there was, like, a. it's not based on, it's based on time played, right? It's not like your score. You, you can't go in there and be like, hey, I did really good this round, so I got more points. It's straight up time played in game. And you can actually do the math, and it was like you had to play a ridiculous amount of time, and the event ends. Like, you can miss that shit. Right. So there's there's guns that I will never get ever because I didn't play enough time in that peer in well, that fucking window. 
Yeah, that's that's I think that's a different problem. I think that's a problem of some of these developers adopting these World of Warcraft strategy. They 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 like look at Blizzard and look at Blizzard's like strategy to keep people playing and then they apply that to their games when they don't fucking need to do that because they don't have a subscription service to their fucking game. There there's a lot of games coming out that do that shit or that came out rather that that do that stupid uh you know, let's employ World of Warcraft strategy to keep them playing all the time. You don't need to do that. If it, you don't need to keep people playing your game if there's no subscription fee. I mean, sure, you want people to play your game because you want your numbers to look good. And you want you them to buy the cosmetics and shit. But you only need to do that for like once a month if you're doing a number. It's thing. a fucking, it's like the, the epitome of fear of missing out. That's what Black Ops is. Yeah. It's like, not only are you going to miss out by not pre-ordering, you're going to miss out if you don't play the shit out of this game in the next 45 days or whatever they say. Yeah, and there's something to be said to that. But the point I'm making is even... I, I don't really care specifically about Black Ops. May, maybe there there's, is a specific thing. But I'm saying just in general, people under, don't understand what pay to win is. If there's a video game and it has the ability... Like, think Battlefield... Battlefield uh, always had the ability to unlock the entire tier of weapons. Instead of playing the game and unlocking it over time, you could just outright buy all that, and then you had access to it. Some people would call this pay-to-win. Those people don't know what the fuck pay-to-win is. Pay-to-win is not the option to opt out of a grind. That's not what pay-to-win is. In fact, most games that have grinds should be like that. The grind is there for people that want to grind or want an objective <clears> or want a goal. The ability to pay money to skip that is is your is a basically an option to say, I don't like grinding. Pay to win is where things can only be acquired through a fucking pay service. Like the, here's a here's a fucking sniper rifle that you can only get by purchasing it. That's pay to win. Systems like Overwatch, where it you have skins behind fucking loot boxes, that's that's fine. Let that fucking be. People, these developers. Well, need Overwatch to gain fucked money. it up. Because the problem with Overwatch is like, well, uh, again, the yeah, the people fucking complained about shit. And you know, we paid what was it, thirty bucks, forty bucks for the game, no subscription yep. fees, and we played it a lot, and we expected to keep playing it until they fucked it up. So every time they came out with a new event, you know, we paid like the, the 50 bucks to get yep. the, uh, the loot boxes and shit. And then we got whatever we didn't get in the loot boxes. We had enough duplicates that we could buy any of the other shit we actually wanted. So it was exactly. good. It was like every three months we paid 50 bucks and we got everything we wanted. And then people bitched and they were like, okay, no more duplicates. So now we're getting 10 to 25% of the gold. <laughs> that we normally got when we bought the $50 thing because we weren't getting duplicates. So we never got what we fucking wanted. Yeah. So the, I don't get how that's better. What he means by that, for those that never fucking played Overwatch or, or did, weren't there in the beginning or were what little whiny crybaby bitches that don't understand what's happened. Originally, you would get gold for duplicates. You still do. And you'd get a good amount of duplicates. And this was good because what would happen is you would open 50 loot boxes or something. I'm just using this as an example because this is what we would do. We could justify $50 for the game because we were pay playing it all the time. It was our main game. And so you'd open these cases and sometimes you'd get lucky and you'd get about half or almost all of the legendaries 
or at least the ones you wanted. Because, you know, not every it, it wasn't like I want all of these. It was I want this one, this one and this one because they, they had a lot of cool skins. Yeah. Typically, there'd be three, four, maybe five legendary skins that you'd want and a, a bunch of voice lines or some some animations. It was or mostly skins. Stuff like that. Skins was like was the, uh, the golden nugget. <laughs> so you would you'd <clears throat> open these cases and sometimes you'd get unlucky and get maybe one legendary that you wanted. You might get two or three legendaries, but they'd be the ones you don't really care for, the characters you don't play or the ones that look lame. You know, and t- typically they would release six to seven skins that were good and i i'm combining legendaries and the epic ones because they'd have really good epic ones as well and then you'd you'd cut to you know okay well i didn't get all of them i wanted the hanzo and the genji but i only got i wanted the hanzo the genji and the junk rat but i only got the junk rat and a couple others i don't care about but that's okay because all these duplicates i got gave me enough gold to where i can buy these other two legendaries no problem. Like every single time we would do that, we'd have at least enough coin to buy one or two things that we wanted that we didn't get in the opening because sometimes you get unlucky. Flash forward to after the change, you have to roll what you want. If you don't, if you go through 50 boxes and you don't get that Hanzo skin, you're fucked. Because and the you're problem not even with no duplicates is that there's so many fucking. One. There's so many fucking player icons and stupid shit that when they say no duplicates, that's what you're getting. Instead of getting yeah. duplicates and gold, you're getting they stupid fucking icons, icons you'll never get. Right. Or you'll stupid never use. icons, fucking sprays uh, and tags and shit like that. It's just... They, 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 people are stupid. They don't, they don't make these connections. You have a... It's like either children or stupid people that are sitting back going... Let's complain about it, and they'll change it. And they're, they're probably not being villainous. There might be some of them out there like, if we can get them to change it, then we can get more of what we want. That's really the core of it. It's a greed situation. And greed is, is throughout history, and people have been on this planet for thousands of years. And let me tell you something. They figured it the fuck out, okay? Before computers and cars and shit, they figured it out. And they, they, they gave you little hints and warnings. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. It only leads to shit. And sure enough, greedy people who are like, I, I want all of the legendary items, no more duplicates. They don't realize that a company like Blizzard, their goal is to make money off of that. Okay, they have to make money. So they can't just change it to where, hey, surprise, you get everything you've ever wanted. And now you have no reason to fucking spend money on this game. No, they have somebody in the wings that goes, okay, Here's the math on it. It's some fucking Asian sitting around. And they're like, here's the math on it. You're going to have to add this number of redundant items to, re- to uh, end up at the same exact situation you were in. Okay, that'll make people happy. Let's put it out. And then the game developer is not doing this out of some kind of like evil, conniving, you know, rubbing his hands together. They're just trying to figure out how to keep the, the, the ratio the same. And they come out with it and they're like, this is going to make people happy. They genuinely believe this is going to make people happy. It's going to be great. They're going to be happy. It's going to be, the system's going to work the same. Win-win. And it comes out and and most of the fucking mouth breathers are like, yeah, this is great. But congratulations, now you don't get enough fucking gold to buy what you want, you fucking idiot. Yep. 
<clears throat> Dead game. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how good Overwatch is doing nowadays. It's the same shit. I mean, I figured. Last I heard, there was still three support, three tank meta. So I still haven't figured out that you need to be able to fucking kill people when you're a DPS. I mean, you either have to have everybody does the same amount of damage, roughly, or you have to have tanks and healers do no fucking damage at all. Basically. That's just yeah. what it comes down to. And let me tell you something. <laughs> the shittiest thing you can fucking do is put a giant hammer in a guy's hand and say, you don't hit for shit. Just fucking go back to what it originally was. Everybody could kill you. I mean, play of the game, Zenyatta. How often do you see that shit anymore? I don't know. I haven't played in over a year. Pling, 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 pling. You don't see that shit anymore. But <laughs> let's talk about some games we have been playing. What do you think of the Division 2? <clears throat> uh, it's, it's... In summary, it is the Division 1, but with an expansion the washington dc expansion yeah that's it <laughs> i think it's a bit I mean, more than that i mean that's in summary it's in summary it's a it's a copy paste job but there's more content than an expansion's worth i mean it's i don't know if it's bigger than division one because division one had a bunch of uh I disagree. If you look Extra at World shit. of Warcraft throughout its years, every time they release an expansion, it's this giant area. Like, look at the Burning Crusade as a great example. That's probably the prime of Black Before Blizzard. Well, you're comparing it to an reading. MMO. It's different. I mean, you got people it's buying the exactly game, what it is. paying $15 a month, and then paying <clears throat> the price of the game every expansion. Yeah, so. but it's trying to emulate an MMO. But this, the, the thing is, like, yeah, to be fair, you know, but Blizzard charges $40 for their fucking expansions and people play it. It's no different. It's really no different. They, they, they justify the, see, Blizzard doesn't justify the, they don't use the $15 a month to justify the creation of an expansion. It's the sales that they justify that with. All right. Well, let uh, me, let me put it this way. I don't think it's as much of an expansion type thing as Destiny 2 could have been an expansion to Destiny 1. It's definitely more of a standalone experience than Destiny 2 was. I disagree. I think you just like the game. I think you're a little biased. I mean, I do. No, I'm not I mean, biased. I'm not I mean, I'll shit good. all over a game when it deserves it, but I mean, I'm I really like the Division 1. It's not good. Until I didn't. Until the fucking, you know, Dark Zone pissed me off so much that I alt f it uninstalled and I mean, imagine, later. imagine, uh, imagine right <clears> now <throat> if you could boot up Division 2 and instead of Division 2, it was called The Division and uh, you're you booted up and you're in New York uh, and it's freezing cold and you go over to your little HUD area, hub area uh, and you don't have a ultimate ability anymore. Instead, you have a giant sniper rifle specialization uh, that was added in in the expansion and you, you go into the back area back there and they got that underground area that you can you can farm still and you got the, the survivor shit and all that area, all the area of New York and then you can fast travel to Washington, D.C., which you've also been working on and unlocked with all the new systems. And the new systems in D.C. are now also in New York. 
with the the process of, of how that whole system works and the the leveling system from one to thirty has been revamped for players. You can you can level in either New York or you can level in DC. Maybe even they increase the levels by thirty or something like that. Max level sixty. Who knows? Whatever, right? anything like that how much better of a game would that be than what we have now it's the same thing with Destiny; would be 10 times better and it well i didn't play enough of the end game in division one to know how much changing all those systems would have fucked up what they already made it's the same it's literally strong home they had strongholds and that's really it they didn't have raids well they had the incursions that was a raid basically yeah it was was kind of a raid yeah uh it was like a soft raid which they could just go and take those and rename them raids and just whatever. Or they could keep incursions. It could be like a, a middle ground or something. Or uh, tone down the incursions and turn them into strongholds. I mean, whatever. The armor and the healing system is different, so that could have thrown everything out of whack. I think. I don't think so. It could have been, right? Like if it was a subscription service, sure, they could have taken the time to. You think you they know, built this game on. from the ground up? Well, no, but I'm saying not. they. They're not getting paid a monthly subscription, so it makes more sense for them to just say, okay, we need to kind of start from scratch here with the systems instead of trying to do the World of Warcraft thing and retroactively apply it. I think they took Division 1 and just made changes on top of it. I think you haven't played Division 1 in a long time. That's not true. I was playing it before. Like, I was trying to get you to go back into it and play it. It, Yeah, I mean, we played it for like a day. Just, just install the game and play it. Tell me it's not the same game. It's not. The I UI remember. Is, the UI is basically the same. They have an armor system now instead of a med kit. That's it's really the same. Yeah, like, it's it's no fucking different. It's just oh, now you have this thing that goes blah when you fucking when your yeah, armor and that's breaks. all the stuff you see. I'm talking about like all the drops you get and how the the weapon damage works. Like, remember how fucked up the whole trying to figure out what does more damage is like now it's. Here's the damage, here's the RPM, and that fucking makes sense. But in, in Division 1, it was just an arbitrary then. number. Well, I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly I'm not a, I don't code. code. That's what it was. There's a lot of, like, database. Look, I'm just saying. I, I don't think it's unreasonable that this is its own standalone game. I don't think you can make a, a sequel... And have it be completely different than the first one. It's got to be kind of similar. I'm not saying it's not good because or... This is how it always happens. You get it, you get it like the first game and there's all these changes that need to be made. And eventually it's just like, okay, we need to just kind of start from scratch, but we need it to feel like the first game. But usually number one and number two in a series feel and look pretty similar. And then if a third one comes out, that's when shit really gets changed for the most part. Here's the thing though. Uh, I'm not saying the game is not worth a certain amount of money because even if it was an expansion, it'd still cost you forty, fifty, sixty dollars, something like that. So it's not like I'm trying to uh, downplay it to any degree, but um, I'm just saying games like The Division and Destiny, and just as a feedback thing, if a developer ever hears it or if if players want to change their mindset on like these kind of things, should be expansions. These games push themselves as pseudo MMOs. They usually even announce themselves as MMOs. That's what MMOs do. They have expansions. You don't. It's not Call of Duty. You don't put out a new version that looks the same as the last one and plays very, very similar to the last one. I mean, the 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 amount of difference in Division Two 
versus Division One in just systems alone is not that big. It's it's still like all the systems are still there. There's like there's just new stuff on top of it, or things have been swapped in and out. There's there's nothing like uh, the grenades are still the same. The grenade system's still the same. The health system's still the same. The a lot of the UI is still the same. Uh, the the, the gunplay is still the same. The the even the UI for like the the reticles and the 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 mods they're all still pretty much the same in terms of uh, visual assets. And I'm not gonna say that like yeah they should uh, scrap all their assets and redo it. I mean I'm I'm a firm believer in reusing assets when it's necessary uh, to to put out a game. I I love that about games. I I I like the idea of a great game coming out and then a game developer going, well, we're going to reuse a lot of these assets so we don't have to build it from the ground up. Uh, yeah, I get it. What I'm saying it is that time. it's, it's going to take them less time to just come out mm-hmm. with this game as the division two, instead of going back and saying, well, look at all these loot drops in division one, like uh, weapon mods. We get to get rid of all of those. We get to change all the skills. We get to add shit to skills. Now it's taking all the stuff from division two and trying to shoehorn it into division one. And, I think anyone who played the division one, as long as they did, doesn't really miss it. You know, I don't think they would really feel the need to go back. I think DC is a better setting. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like that's so typically when you have sequels, sometimes you want to go back to the previous game because it's, it's different enough. Uh, you know, you look at the metal gear solid series as an example, every fucking game from each to the next is vastly different from each other. One, two, three, four, even five vastly different from each other to where you could logistically go back and play it and feel like it's kind of a different game even though they're connected and there's some similar systems here and there uh, i think a good example of a sequel in the mmo genre would be um guild wars guild wars versus guild wars 2 vastly different games uh it doesn't feel like it's a, just the same game on top of it and maybe maybe the problem with the division and destiny is they suffer from uh the modern day uh graphics jump which is you know you go back 10 20 years ago throughout the process of 10 to 20 years the graphics jumps have always been giant leaps every 2 to 3 years uh but you know you don't really get that anymore After you get to a certain level, it's hard for a lot of people to notice the difference in graphics. But that being said, the Division 2 is more of the same with Division 1. And if you liked Division 1, Division 2 fixes a lot of the problems. I'm just saying it could have been an expansion, but I'm not I'm not saying it's not a good game. It's it's yeah, a I mean, great it could have direct been. I'm just saying I get that it's not. It makes sense that it's not. It would have made sense made sense for it to be one, but like you said, it would have made sense for Metal Gear Solid 2 to be an expansion to Metal Gear Solid 1. I mean, they play almost exactly the same. I, I disagree with that. <laughs> Why? I yeah, I mean, the graphics are better because it was a generation ahead, but it plays exactly the same. The graphics is a big deal. <clears throat> I, don't, I, don't think you can, I don't think you can go from one game to the next and call it an expansion. Typically, the way, the way I put expansion is like, the reason why I think Division and Destiny should have had their games as expansions instead is because they look the exact same. You know, like it, it's, it's, it feels, plays, and looks like the same exact game. You, uh, even with Battlefield, like I don't like that Battlefield 
keeps putting out iterations of it. it's the call of duty battlefield syndrome in my opinion where they just copy paste the same game and put it out and say look guys it's another game it's really not it's really not what you've done is something that you could have done as a patch a giant patch or an expansion like you you look at black ops 3 or black ops 4 versus black ops 3 those two games are interchangeable you can you could just <laughs> You could sit somebody in front of Black Ops 3 and say, this is Black Ops 4, and if you took out all the logos and shit like that, how would they know the fucking difference if you swap between Black Ops? I don't know. I didn't play Black Ops 3. It's part of the reason I bought Black Ops 4 is because I hadn't played Call of Duty in forever. Certainly there are different characters in the games, and certainly there are different some different systems, like the hero system in in Black Ops 4. But in in terms of visually and gameplay, they're pretty much identical. That's how I, f- I view World of Warcraft. Every World of Warcraft expansion, there's new systems added. There's, there's all these things added on top that make it feel quite different than the previous one. I mean, obviously, Legion feels vastly different than ba- Battle for Azeroth. I mean, to a degree that it's so negative that people are quitting the game. People are saying this game feels worse than, than Legion because of all these system changes. But visually and, and the way the game plays, it, it, it's the same game visually speaking and you would you would never look at legion and battle for azeroth and go these are two separate games if if blizzard released battle for azeroth as world of warcraft 2 people would be like what the fuck is this this is bullshit upgrade your game now division and and destiny i think can get away with it because those games already look spectacular they already look good they play good uh, I'm just saying, I in a perfect world, it would have been great to have this content on top of content. I think it would have made the game even stronger. This, it's the same argument I had for Destiny. Destiny would have been way stronger of a title if it if it added that content on top of what they already had. Yeah, well, Destiny needed to do that because so at the beginning there the wasn't so a whole lot of content. Yes, much more than Division. Division, at least Ubisoft kind of has a, a, a relative idea of how much content needs to be in a game at launch to keep people busy. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the way the game plays, they made a lot of good changes. I mean, you know, you still got a lot, of, uh, some, not a lot, but some of the same uh, bugs or, uh, you know, problems that the first game had. There, there is some bullet sponginess. You don't notice it a lot. Unless you're always running it's around. It's definitely better. Or... I think if you went back and played Division 1 Endgame, you'd be like, wow, this is a lot more bullshit. I mean, that's what made me fucking quit it. It wasn't even a planned thing. Like, I, what we did with Destiny, I was going to do with Division. Just play it nonstop and be a Division streamer. Yeah. But I reached the end. It was like Alexander reaching the end of the known world and weeping because we'll there's nothing we'll left we'll to conquer. And then <laughs> I fucking go into, like, the hardest zone, you know, dark zone. And I'm just getting my shit pushed in, you know? And it's like, I've spent so much time grinding for this gear and I'm still getting fucked up by one random purple bro. Yeah. And he's just taking bullets to the face, just rushing me. And like, it would piss me off every time it happened. One time it was just, it hit a fever pitch and I was like, fuck this game F4 uninstalled. And I think we, we, I came back when the survival thing came out and we wanted to try the survival thing. It still happens in this game if uh, if an enemy gets it's, to your flank and they're much better bar, and it's partially a bug shooting it it fuck you up like all the stuff that they're coming out and saying is stuff that I figured out after you know thirty hours of playing the game the, I mean people forget that the AI the enemies in the game is the game so like if the developers want those enemies to be aware of 
any type of stat, any type of number, they can. They're omnipotent, right? It, it's kind of easy to forget that because, you know, it's creating the illusion of an actual world. But these enemies know how much health you have. They know how much damage you do. They know what your gear is. They know what their gear is and how many of them there are. Yeah, so when <laughs> they know when you're aiming at them, so they stay behind cover. If they know that you're low on health, they'll fucking rush you. So right now there's a bug, especially on higher difficulties with more players, like higher, like four people in a group instead of just playing solo. High, high level enemies and elites and shit will just fucking rush you from the outset of a fight. My guess is it's a programming <clears throat> error in a calculation where the game isn't really looking at how much health you have. It's comparing health values to the enemy and yourself. And because yeah. enemies have so much health, they're just going, oh, I can win this fight. Yeah. And I mean, on, <laughs> it's kind of funny because that's exactly what I was doing when I was helping you level up. Like I knew that I couldn't fucking die. So I was just the running in, walking in people my down. Opinion, by the way, if there's an Ubisoft French Canadian listening to this, the solution, in my opinion, is to take that system out and focus more on cover-based mechanics and positioning of the AI rather than, because the problem is the AI doesn't go, oh, they're low on health, let me get around them and move cover to cover to cover. The AI gets up and runs, you know, a hundred fucking meters to the next cover right past you or Oh yeah, that's always fun. That is a thing that happens. Like you'll see an enemy and they'll just sprint right fucking at you. And you're like, oh God, they're rushing me. And then they don't, they don't stop and shoot. They don't stop because they're getting shot in the face. They, they run just keep running. You. They right past you and fucking take cover behind you because they're, it's like they made a decision that they need to get to that cover behind you. But instead of flanking and going cover to cover, they just beeline it. Right. So, and the solution, and instead of trying to tweak that system, is just get rid of it. Just have them have put in a put in some kind of line of code or something that tells them they they don't want to move uh, x amount of distance from their cover. So so they always want to like each time they hit cover, they they there's like a a radius around them that they'll go to another set of cover. They won't run outside of that in terms of distance calculation for their next run. Because it, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It feels lame. Sometimes you get multiple enemies doing it. And I say just, it all the time. I see these guys like doing shit. And I'm like, what was their plan? Yeah. <laughs> like, just some to of the most run straight in and die? And like, what, did, what the fuck did they think was going to happen? Now, some of the most interesting and intriguing combat is when you have a bunch of enemies out in front of you. And they're all spread out in front of you in a cone. And they, they're all in their cover and you try to take a shot on a guy and a guy to your right peeks you and starts shooting you. That's how it should feel. That's the strategy of it, right? Like you have to pick your shots. You have to try and eliminate specific people for it. One of the first things I do when I go into shit, I, people are shooting elites. I'm, I'm aiming at the heads of the red health bars. Firstly, it feels great because you shoot them in the head once and they die. Uh, even in like strongholds and shit with four people. But then you also get this uh, sense of satisfaction of clearing the field before you start dealing with the more difficult enemies. The problem with that, though, is by the time I kill three or four of these red bars, fucking yellow bar guy's already up knee-deep in my asshole. <laughs> like, like God damn it, man. Well, it changes as, as you level. Like, when you're leveling up and there's not so many elites, like, people in general have this, like, prison yard mentality of, like, I'm going to take down the biggest, strongest guy first. Like, no, that's not how... 
Because as you're taking down the biggest, strongest guy, you got eight other people fucking melting you with bullets. You want to take yeah. guy, take down the little guys first. Well, it because seems like then you only have one person bullets. shooting. That's the interesting thing is the enemies in this game, they seem to all do the same amount of damage. Like, no matter well, what their health yeah, is. Yeah, to an extent. But, like, the elite grenade guys, will, like, the purple and the red guys, when they throw a grenade, you'll see that they're throwing a grenade. They'll pop out of cover for, like, two or three seconds before the grenade actually comes out. They'll throw one grenade, and then they'll hide. But the yellow guys, there's way less time to shoot them as they're throwing the grenade, and they throw, like, two or three. And it's the same thing. They have, like, better weapons. It used to be a lot worse. Those like homie dudes who like fucking hop around with their submachine gun to the side used to fucking laser beam you from across the map and melt you. They changed that. The dudes with the shotguns used to just fucking two shot you from across the map. They changed that. So, I mean, they're, they're making improvements pretty quick and they're going to, they said they're still looking at the bullet sponginess. I mean, you you did that heroic bounty yesterday, four people on on the hardest difficulty. I mean, it was not easy. No, it, but they it don't, was hard for the wrong reasons too. So, yeah. and to 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 you know finalize what I'm saying here, like 100. percent Um, if you're with four people, the game you get a lot of bullet sponginess, but not to a an, a difficult degree because it just what they're doing is incentivizing team shooting in that environment, but. When you got enemies also do more damage. When you got two guys and you're doing a heroic bounty or something, it's not that bad because even though you got to put like three headshots into a yellow health bar in order to kill them, which doesn't feel great with a sniper rifle, uh, it's you know you could put a a shot into them and then switch to your AR and and burn them down. It's 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 more than that on heroic. I don't think heroic is possible solo. I don't think it's possible with less than four people just because it, the amount of damage you take doesn't feel that much different with one and four people. I mean, there's not a whole lot of heroic content in the game. There's Tidal Basin, which we didn't do on heroic, and then there's the weekly bounties, and that's it. I will say that um, I think uh, it, they, they kind of nail the pacing on it. It's a pacing thing. So more often than not, you're shooting red health bar enemies and just decimating them throughout your gameplay uh it just in general that's typically at world uh level five world tier five you're still getting health red health bar enemies that die pretty fucking quickly yeah and i remember like in division one you could change your world tier whenever you wanted and it was a lot better just to go out in world tier four because world tier five just felt like shit wasn't really worth it Unless you had a group. Yeah, I think they've nailed the balance on this. And that, that says a lot because you can notice it, especially when you're leveling. When you're leveling, you can easily notice that they, they nailed the balancing on it. The process of moving from world tier to world tier feels good. You don't ever go to another world tier and feel underpowered or, or, or something like that. Yeah. And that was with me dropping all max tier gear for you. When I was doing it, it still felt pretty good. Like the first time I went into a world tier, I was like, "Oh shit!" But it never felt like I uh, was. I mean, there would be those or... there would be those times before you, we would get the gear when we went to the new area that I I would shoot shit and it die at the same rate. It yeah. felt the same. Yep. That's kind of how it should be. I mean, it looks like you're making a lot of progress because you're going from item level two fifty to five hundred, but I don't think the difference is really that big. 
And I mean, I, I don't remember the numbers, but I was telling you the difference between two identical pieces of gear I had. One had like 1% better stat and less armor, and the other one had more, like 2,000 more armor. And that ended up being like a difference of like 22 gear score or something. Sure. I was using a P416 assault rifle, level 453, all, up until I, like, I had everything else at item level 500, and it was still better because I had here's good rolls on it. Uh, here's something I will say that I don't like about the game is this system where once a week, I believe, one of your strongholds gets locked out and then you're forced to do two to three uh, side missions again. I don't like being forced to repeat content that I may not enjoy uh, just to unlock a stronghold that I might enjoy. I think they need to get rid of that. I, I think uh, maybe instead of doing side missions, I'd be totally okay with uh, checkpoints or whatever the you call them. The control fortifications, points. control points. Control points are short and sweet and they're fun. Side missions can be long and boring. Well, they're not side missions. The side missions are short. These are straight up main missions that you repeat. Sorry, you yeah, invaded. main missions. Main <clears throat> missions or side missions. I don't want to be forced to do main or side missions because they're long and boring typically. Even side missions can be long and boring. Uh, it is, I don't, I don't want to do You know, I, I really I like mean, the I disagree the a little bit. System. I mean, I get it, but the, the missions, you could probably do two of the missions and the stronghold in under two hours, probably closer to an hour if you're with another person. It's yeah, really but when the, goal, when the goal for that isn't to get gear, but to unlock a stronghold so you can maybe run it heroic, that's the lame part of it. It's the forcing it. Like, I'm, I'm okay if they want to be like, here's a system where these, uh, these random weekly, every week, randomly, two of your original missions or side missions you know, become active and invaded and you can go do those for gear. I don't like them being a lockout system for well, strong. I think there should just be a way where if you don't, if you want to opt out of that, you should be able to play that stronghold like in its original form, right? Like if it gets invaded and you don't want to unlock it and play it invaded to clear up the map again, you should just be able to go back and play that stronghold when it's occupied by like the hyenas and not the black tusk. Yeah, that'd be cool but i don't mind it's not it's i mean it's once a week you got the entire week to do an hour and a half worth of content like i don't think it's really that tall of an order but Hmm. plus you can run it on normal like you don't have to run it at higher difficulties or anything and it's pretty fucking easy the biggest one though is tidal base and like you play tidal base and that one's like twice as long as any of the other strongholds that one gets a little irritating but No, I mean, there's some leftover shit and they're like, just scrap it. Time is going to tell because they already nerfed one of the main cheesy builds. So the short version is this build used submachine guns, which have a passive 15% crit chance on it. And people were hitting the crit cap of 60% on their gear. Uh, And they would stack health and purposely have low armor. Use this talent called berserk where you do more damage with the lower amount of armor you have. Um, And then they had this other talent where you would heal a certain amount of health and armor with every crit that you got. And then another talent that would increase healing by 150% every time you killed an enemy. Basically what that translated to was you just walk fucking people down with a submachine gun. And since you crit 60% of the time and you're just always living on that borderline of having full health, but no armor, 
You were doing a fuck ton of damage, critting all the time, and never dying. And they nerfed that a little bit. They put an internal cooldown on the healing thing. But now they're starting to look at like other builds and other talents and be like, hey, there's all this shit that like people are using instead of all this other shit that people never use. And we're talking about doing nerfs and buffs, and that makes me nervous because uh there's always gonna be a fucking meta, and I don't want them yep. going in there constantly nerfing the meta constantly just for another fucking meta, meta yep. to come. Because it doesn't matter. If well, something the problem is, is, is if you keep fucking nerfing shit, <clears throat> eventually everything sucks. Well, there, yeah, I mean, it's the blizzard. <laughs> it's a World mentality. of Warcraft you gotta problem. Stop. Yeah, and the only thing that balances out the World of Warcraft problem is every fucking expansion, everybody goes back to being overpowered again. Somebody. Yeah, and the thing is, is you, this is a 90% PvE game. You don't need to have everything yeah. be perfectly balanced because it's never going to be perfectly balanced. Like, let's say you get everything within 0.1% right by some miracle you do that the meta is still going to be the thing that's 0.1% better mm. you know <laughs> like there's always going to be a meta even if it's only 0.1% better and people are going to use that and you can't just keep nerfing shit now i get you got to nerf the cheesy shit i'm glad they did that because that obviously wasn't intended and uh especially in pvp you know like i don't i don't do pvp but i go to the dark zone for gear cuz it's just a fucking golden shower of loot but it's really fucking annoying when people just are out of cover, not playing the game like it's Division, and instead playing it like it's Call of Duty or something, and just melt you, and they're invincible while they're shooting you. Oh, and another part of that build is you never had to reload because of the specialist talent. Mm. So every time you uh, lose your armor, your gun refills. And since you're constantly getting a little piece of armor and then losing it, you just it's just a never-ending stream of bullets. So... I really don't like it, but you know, and part of it isn't the developer. It's the people playing the game. They find the most cheesy exploity shit they can fucking do. And they squeeze it until the developers are forced to nerf it. So like I could do that, but I don't want to play that build. I don't want to use some machine guns and I don't want to use some of the talents on, on gear. I, I'd rather play the way I play now with, you know, the assault rifle and a rifle. It's not mm. meta or anything, but it feels good. Uh, I've always liked uh, marksman or sniper rifles, but yeah, it's very, I can like marksman rifles feel a little bit better because at least when you get that headshot and it's red or whatever, you know, you're like, okay, well this is normal. I usually have to take more, more shots, but when you have a sniper rifle, when I, when I shoot a red health bar enemy and they die immediately and I get that splat sound feels great. When I do that to a purple health bar and they go to a sliver of health, doesn't feel great. When I do that to a yellow health bar enemy and they it takes like three to four of those, doesn't feel great. Like <clears throat> They should do that thing that some other games do. I'm, I mean, I don't know which game specifically, but I know we played a game pretty recently where it happens. But if you shoot like a purple guy in the head and it brings them to within 10% of their health, they should die. They should just die. I'm fucking tired of games doing this like they have no health bar, but they have one hit point. Yeah. Like they're dead. Just fucking stop. Honestly, like, yeah, the I'd math didn't work out. I know it's not going to happen, uh, <clears throat> and, I'm, and I know it's asking a lot, and I'm, I'm not saying they should change it to this degree because I know there's a lot of people out there that enjoy the game the way it is. Mm. But I think the best way to handle a game like this would be uh, headshot kills with sniper rifles, high-caliber sniper rifles, uh, typically kill people, penetrate through. I think you get rid of the yellow health bar enemies and uh, replace them with yellow health bars that are armored. Like, I, I don't mean 
they already have a like two types of enemies that are armored. I don't mean everybody wears a fucking bomb suit. I mean everybody that has a yellow health bar needs to have some kind of armor system on or something. Give them helmets or you know, figure something out. If they don't have helmets, they can be headshot, right? But but give them access to something. So uh, for the sniper, I, uh, the snipers, for example, it's really difficult to see their heads because they have the flashlight on. Expound on that system. Like m make it to where you very rarely have an, like you have to kind of figure out where the head is to take that shot. As, as it stands now, when they put their gun away or they're doing another animation, the light goes out and you can see their head and it's an easy headshot. I think keep that keep that uh, that light on until their their head isn't shootable anymore, unless you like get an angle on them. But if I get an angle on an enemy or I get that shot on the head and there's no helmet on it, they should die. Now, whenever you pop the head on one of these big uh, big body armor dudes, under first you break the face mask, then you break the helmet, then there's like another armored like. Uh, shemag or something not a shemag but like a <clears throat> what do you call it? like a like a hood or something i don't know like underneath they have another armored layer and then you have to pop that before you see flesh and then you can get the headshot on and that's exactly how that plays out whenever i fight one of those guys i shoot off his helmet and then i'll switch to the sniper rifle and and as soon as i see pink flesh on his head i pop him and he and he usually even though he's a yellow health bar dies in one hit from the sniper rifle yeah. That feels good. It feels good because I'm I'm working towards a progress of being able to do that. But when I fight some dude that's got a yellow health bar and he's like a homie and he's running around and he's got a gas mask on and that gas mask never breaks and I just shoot him in the head and then I shoot him in the head and then I shoot him in the head and he finally dies. There's no reward to that like there is with the armored guys. If if you maybe made that gas mask an armored piece and when the armor gets to zero, it breaks off visually, that would feel better. It doesn't have to be one shot because when I, when I shoot, you know, when I shoot a big armored guy in the head with a sniper rifle, it doesn't always break his head and it doesn't feel bad to me because I know it's armored and it's going to, it feels right that it would take a couple bullets to shatter that even with a high powered sniper rifle. Uh, I think that needs to come into play with other enemies as well. If there's an enemy that has no helmet on and is just exposed flesh and he's a yellow health bar, shooting him in the head should kill him 100%. I mean, if that means that you got to add different models or swap around models for what, what can be elite or, or take some enemies off the list that can be elite enemies, so be it. Uh, but we, we need more of this armor system in play. What we need. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it would make sense if like, most of the gold bar enemies have like what six little armor bars. If each of those armor bars actually corresponded to like a piece of armor that they're wearing, like chest, yeah. head, or limbs. And again, they don't have to be giant behemoths walking around. It could be a, a fucking a vest. You know, body shots could could be armored where headshots aren't. Yeah. You know? Something like that. Reward people for hitting them in the head. There's no reward other than critical damage. In well, my it's not opinion, even critical damage. Critical is separate. <clears throat> it's just headshot damage. Yeah, in my opinion, <clears throat> shooting me. somebody in a shooting somebody in an exposed body <clears throat> part should do health damage. It does. Well, I mean, not I don't on know. elite. It does it on the big guys, but not on elites. So the big walking armored guys, if you shoot off a panel on their arm and you start shooting them, you're not shooting armor anymore. 
you're shooting health. And what they, what they do is they don't have these little armor bar things. They have a yellow health bar. And when you shoot them, you get an armor signal that pops up. When you break the armor on a certain part and you start shooting that part, like the arm, their health bar starts to deplete with every shot. That's what the game should be now. That Embrace that system. That yeah. system is great. Embrace it fully. Do it with every single one of them. If I shoot a yellow health bar enemy that has no helmet on in the head with a sniper rifle, he should die just like a yellow, like a red health, uh, health bar enemy does. But if I'm loading him up and shot with shots to the chest, and he's got a you know uh, a bulletproof vest on, then you know I get that little armor signal until the vest breaks. That would be great. I think I think that's the best solution to to the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean it's still it's, it's still early. Fun, it's a fun game that that's going to be great to come back to when when patches come through. If if we end up getting bored of the end game. If they don't put out, which typically game developers don't put in-game content out fast enough to appease people in these kind of games. Well, there is a raid April 25th, and I'm hoping that it's not like retarded difficult and doesn't require like Destiny 2 levels of coordination. We can just pug into it and they have some kind of matchmaking. They got matchmaking for every, everything else in this fucking game. Yeah. So we'll, I, I can't imagine that it would be too difficult. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, what I'll say is typically these games, they can't, developers can't keep up with the demand for the amount of content to keep people busy so uh you, you know this this is a great game to it's not like a game like world of warcraft you you min max pretty quickly in this game there is this form of god rolls but i feel like it's not super necessary and right now uh i'm at max item level pretty much and i feel like i could quit if i wanted to i, I don't have a desire to do that I still have a desire to load up the game and, and do some more grinding. I haven't hit that point where it's like, yeah, I'm bored of this. Well, but there's can, still that World of Warcraft how... sense of like, there's always something to do. Like for me right now, I mean, I I got two pretty god rolled weapons, but like, you never know if it's an actual god roll because everything that drops, like the damage, I could get a gun that's exactly the same in every way, except it does a thousand more damage, right? I don't really right. know how, how what the span of the but that's if you're into is. to grinding out small little upgrades like that. You know, but the thing is, like, it's like you never need like to World say of Warcraft, you're subscribed to it. You feel the need to continue playing it. This game, you know, well, yeah, in, in World of Warcraft, the thing people are bitching about is like, I mean, they bitch about everything. First, there's like, there's no mm -hmm. way to get the to target the gear you want. Right, and then once they release vendors, it's like, well, now there's only one thing to do, and it's farm out the fucking currency for this vendor to get the gear I want. D like division two you get gear from everything so like right now i kind of want to try like getting yeah, an entirely different gear set and seeing how different guns work it may be right now i'm a one trick pony and i've just been looking for that like specific role on every piece of gear and deleting everything else it i'd may like to go in and try something new that uh there's some way in the game to efficiently farm the fastest to get fucking gear or whatever. But you never, in this game, outside of if you're one of those kind of people and you want to look into how to do that, you never ever feel like this activity is better than this activity. Like, just doing shit gets you gear and it feels good every single time. Everything you do gets you, you're, you're constantly having gear thrown at you. Just constantly. Yeah. I mean, the fastest way to get gear is the dark zone, but it's not better gear. It's just more gear quickly. Right. But you still, I mean, you get it quickly enough and doing other, like there's, 
if you do one of those propaganda things, it's really fast and it's really easy, and all it gets you is a purple. So I mean, it's not worth doing yeah, in the, the sense you don't get much for, but it's super to quick. Upgrade the uh, the purpose of doing those little things is to upgrade the. Uh, See, I I don't look at that as an activity on its own. I don't look at like the propaganda things that. Give well, you, you did until nothing. you hit Endgame, because <laughs> it was well, worth it. Then. I, I the gear was them. worth it then. No, I avoided them typically because they just get in the way of the, the of the main mission. I think most people are going to focus on the main mission and then try to hit max level and then do stuff. But they they do this really brilliant thing where the small mundane tasks that net you nothing that that get, that you get nothing from, you actually get a net game from because. Uh, when you when you do like a propaganda thing, it's usually linked to a control <clears throat> point, and it make it levels up that control point when you're in the max world tier, uh, which should be your first goal to get to any fucking ways before you do anything. And then when you go do that uh, control point, it's harder, but you get more elite, so it means more gear. Uh, so it, it it has a net gain to it. It's not really an activity of its own. Yeah, and I mean. Even after getting all your gear and getting different builds and stuff, like you can always start a new character and your stashes are shared. So you can share gear between characters and stuff. You could use the second character as just a mule if you want, as just more inventory space. So there's a lot to fucking do in the game. And the moment to moment gameplay, the shooting feels really good. I like shooting things, never really gets old for me. So, yeah. It's, uh, That's all. I That's like about it. it. That's about it. Short and sweet. Totally short. Yeah, short. <laughs> uh, this will be short and bitter. Uh, Sekiro. Sekiro. I don't know if it'll be short at all. This is a great game. And I know we disagree on that, but I mean, to be fair, you never, you didn't like Dark Souls when you first played it. I like uh, Dark Souls 3. You didn't like Dark Souls when you first played it. You had a lot of problems with it. We went through it. It was rough. And then after completing it and after all the salt, a couple weeks later, you were like, so I bought a Dark Souls Well, no, Souls it was different. <laughs> like, there's that's certain what those parts, games do to you. There are certain but, parts of Dark Souls 3 that are really aidsy that I still think are bullshit. Like the whole fucking swamp yes, where you're just constantly poisoned. But that's <laughs> like 90% of that game is actually pretty fair. That's right. The yeah. stuff that's not is like the PvP fucking being forced upon you. And it not even being a fair fight, not even because people use cheesy ass builds specifically for PvP for some fucking reason, but the yeah. connections are so bad that even if you nail the timing, it's still fucking wrong because it's right. so far behind. People play anyway. to the timing. Uh, <clears throat> Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, is not Dark Souls, okay? If you like Dark Souls, that has nothing to do with whether or not you will like Sekiro. 100%. I don't care what anybody's told you. If they've told you otherwise, they're lying because they don't understand what Dark Souls is. Okay? If you think Dark Souls, if you think the, the appeal to Dark Souls is that it's hard, you're fucking retarded, A, and B, sure, go ahead. I guess you'll like Sekiro just because of that. I mean, by that same metric, go play fucking Battletoads. I, I, you know, it... it Oh man, fucking that's the best part about Battletoads, right? Is it's so fucking difficult. No, it's just notorious. Go pay go play Silver Surfer. Like it's just notoriously difficult. It's not a great game because it's difficult. Nobody ever played fucking Silver Surfer went, Woo, I got through that almost impossible fucking level. Hell yeah, I feel great about it. 
fuck yeah, let's go. I think that's, that's my not, problem. That's not a challenge. I've said this before, not on the podcast, but I'll say it again. But most people, you know, they enjoy challenge because when they overcome it, they get this feeling of accomplishment. I, I don't know if it's like a mental problem, but I don't have a sense of satisfaction no, by overcoming fine. a challenge. I, I think well, you I mean, and I both get that, but of, the problem is... I know is, you do. I'm not talking to you. No, you talking to them. Too. You definitely get it, too. The problem is that a challenge is not the same as difficult. That's not the same thing. Challenges and difficulty can go hand in hand, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Okay? Uh, so, like, Resident Evil is challenging in terms of, like, the puzzles the first time you have to figure them out. Yeah, that's and it's challenge. tense because and you, you got a big it. fucking monster. Right, exactly. Boom, and that's, boom, that's, boom. that's a bit of difficulty and it's challenging. But it's not like the game developer goes, okay, we're going to put you at impossible odds, near impossible odds, arbitrarily right now at this moment. That doesn't happen. You look at a character like Mr. X in the remake. A lot of people had problems with this character playing the game. But... It it wasn't something to where it was so fucking difficult that it that it made people rage or almost quit the game. But there were ways to handle him and you could learn and adapt to it, and it felt good to be able to overcome that. A game that just is difficult for the sake of difficulty doesn't work. See Neo as an example. Uh see that European spin-off that tried to be Dark Souls that just wasn't really good. As an example, yeah, well, my problem yeah. with Neo is that it, it's almost like it started as a good action game and then they nerf your fucking health pool to make it like Dark Souls. So the gameplay doesn't fit with how much fucking health you have. Exactly. You have a great, greatly designed game that that works in a lot of aspects. And then they try to just make it Dark Souls and they 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 use the wrong aspects to try and make it Dark Souls. And then they're like, well, why don't people like this? And here's, here's what I mean by that. What's fun about Dark Souls is not the difficulty. Okay, you have two groups of people in video gaming, in any kind of culture, really. <clears throat> you, have, you have people who enjoy it, and then you have fans. And I'm not going to, and I include super fans in the fans, okay? Super fans are just people that they just love the one thing and they go super deep in. So you have people that are fans of Star that are, that are fans of Star Wars, and then you have people that watch Star Wars and they like Star Wars. My dad likes Star Wars. He's not a fan of Star Wars. He doesn't go to Star Wars conventions. He doesn't dress up as Star Wars characters. He doesn't, you know, collect Star Wars memorabilia. He doesn't, uh, you know, watch the new Star Wars trailer as soon as it comes out excitedly. Okay, but if Star Wars is on TV, he'll watch it and go, "Yeah, this is a fun, entertaining movie." A fan does all the things before that, okay? Same thing happens in every single thing we have. So in Dark Souls, you have fans of Dark Souls, and you have people that play Dark Souls and go, yeah, the hype, I get it. The people that play Dark Souls because of the gaming culture or whatever, you know, they, they want to be a part of the gaming culture, and so people are like, the next Dark Souls is coming out, so they pick up Dark Souls 3, and they're like, oh my God, this is difficult, but I'm still going to push myself through it and play it, and they... Some people become fans. Some people put the game down and never play it ever again. They go, I beat, I beat Dark Souls or I played Dark Souls to a certain point. I'm done with it. Those people think, man, Dark Souls must be the difficulty people like. I get it. It's the difficulty. But ask a fan and they'll tell you, no, it's not the difficulty. It's the, it's the rich environment. It's the world. It's the fact that you can stand on the edge 
of Lothric Castle walls and look out and see everywhere you've been already, the, the graveyard and all that, and you can see where you're going. There, there's areas where you can stand and look out and go, oh, after you fight one of the first demons on the, the, the big wall after the swamp that you climb up to the top where the wolf is at, you can look at the swamp and then you can look out and you can see Lothric Castle walls. You can see all these different areas. And those areas are there and you go to, and, you know, they load out and load in to some degree with like lower textures, but you can still see it. And there's no like loading screen that takes you there. It's just, you just go there. You it's know, really like Resident evilly in the sense of like, you have to go with a hard way to unlock a shortcut and it's That's all right. like interconnected. So it's like, instead of progressing through a linear world, it's like you're unraveling this puzzle box, like the mansion, the like a big version of the mansion. Right. And the enjoyment isn't, <clears throat> oh, I completed something difficult. It's called, it's progress. Progress is the core element to Dark Souls that is enjoyable. Progress in your character leveling up. Progress in making it to that area you can see in the distance. Progress in defeating a boss and getting through that, getting through it after you've uh, had to fight him a couple times. Progress. Nobody likes fighting the same boss 40 times just to beat him once. Anybody that says that's true is either a masochist or lying to you for clout. Okay. Realistically, it's fun to go in and fight a boss a, a, a couple times, maybe a dozen, and then finally win and, and move on to the next thing because you want to see what's next. Yeah. Well, just to expand on that one little point, the problem that I have with bosses is like, it's fun to go in and learn a boss's patterns. It's fun to go in and master it and know what you need to do and when. It's not fun to know all that and still have the game fuck you over. And even doing all that still doesn't work because there's a 1% chance he'll do this fucking move you've never seen, you know? Or, right. you know, you, he fucking runs past you and all of a sudden you're detargeted and the camera's in the wall and you fucking die. Like, that's the kind of shit. The Dark Souls right. and Sekiro do. That's bullshit. That's not right. fun. That's not part of what makes Dark Souls, and, Souls hard or right. makes and it fun. Certainly, um, there are certainly people out there. I know you fucking idiots. Are, there's idiots out there that are going to be like, <laughs> not all. Yes, there are people out there that are fucking masochists and like to throw themselves at an optional boss in Dark Souls like the nameless king over and over and over to finally beat them. And I did for, it and I didn't like it <laughs> for basically nothing because you get really nothing for defeating that. It's an optional boss. Okay. You don't get to see a new area. You don't really get anything. His gear's not even that great. Okay. That's it. You just get clout. Some people are petty and, and give a fuck about clout. Like, yeah, I fucking beat him. Some people are masochists and want to have their balls stepped on with high heels. Those two people are not the core element of Dark Souls fans. Look at any YouTuber <clears throat> that does Dark Souls full-time. What, what do you get? Lore. You typically get lore. People that are delving into the lore of it. Or people that are delving into builds. Builds. What type of builds can they do? Those are the two primary things you get on YouTube. Different types of builds to play the game with and lore junkies, right? Vatvidia, everybody knows Vatvidia, whatever his fucking name is, right? That's the fucking guy that does the lore, and, and he's, he, this guy plays a Dark Souls game, and he's not there for the difficulty. He's there for every little item description, and every little, you know, little character sitting in a corner or something that you can talk to, or maybe see what they had equipped, and, and kind of 
build his own story in his mind about it and get little details. And then you have the guys that want to play the game over and over, and they're like, I, I did it with a big giant axe. This time I want to do it with two daggers. This time I want to do it with magic, you know? And that though that's the core gameplay that's fun with Dark Souls. And that's what Sekiro misses. Sekiro misses that. The story is meh as fuck, okay? Certainly, you can go into this game and be interested in the lore. You can be like, man, feudal Japan, this is interesting. The idea, like, certainly it's it's cool. The idea that, like, there were actually demons and, and shit like that is really cool. It's it's the similar concept of, like, medieval times with possibly dragons, right? That That's kind of cool. It's the it's Japan's version of that. And it's it's interesting, but it's not compelling enough that it pulls you along against the gameplay because in dark souls you have this compelling story that's interesting like Sekiro's, and you're like what's going on here i want to find stuff out but then if you come across something where it's difficult you can go maybe i could change my build or maybe i'll use this weapon instead you know Uh, there's like multiple weapons in dark souls and they all have their own like move sets and things like that Typically, there's there's like a there's dozens of move sets in in a Dark Souls game just based off the weapon that you use. And if if you're not if you're not having a good time with your your long sword, you can pull out maybe a short sword, and, and maybe that feels better, and you do better with that. So you level that weapon up. Maybe you have a couple weapons in your yeah, arsenal, and that's part of the progression. It's not just progression through the story. Right. Like my character in Dark Souls Three, like I started with a sword. I really like swords, so like yeah. that's pretty much all I use. But I wanted to get to a point where I could be prepared for every situation just with swords and a shield. So I lucked out and got the Black Knight shield. I use that with everything. I had the Dark Sword for my one-hander. And then I had the uh, Hollow thing. Hollow the one you got from... Yeah. And then I had the Astora Greatsword. So I had like three different sizes of swords. And that pretty much worked for every situation. I had something. And I didn't really need to go any farther than that. But I wanted to get to a point where I could still mid-roll and have all that stuff equipped at the same time, right? So it's like something to shoot for. And that happens really fucking slowly, but by the end, until, you know, no cloud saves, lost all my fucking progress, you know, I was, uh, I felt, I didn't feel like powerful necessarily, but I felt skilled and prepared. And I never fucking feel that way in Sekiro, ever. And that's, that is what I'm getting at here. That is one of the crux issues of this game is if you're playing through dark souls and you can't make it past a boss, you can switch up your strategy. You can change things. You can go farm some more souls somewhere to get stronger and maybe get some more health. You can go farm something somewhere and maybe come back later with uh, a different weapon that you've leveled, leveled up that, that helps you get past that boss. If you're not good at a Dark Souls game, if you're not good at parrying, you don't have to parry in Dark Souls. If you're not good at dodging, you don't really have to dodge in Dark Souls. You can go for a poise build that that uses more of a shield or just kind of try and power through it. These are the things you can do in Dark Souls to try and adjust the game to you. They're almost like difficulty setting. In Sekiro, that doesn't exist. There is no dodging. There is no jumping. The problem is people jump and dodge. No, there's not. As somebody that's played the game extensively, do not dodge, do not jump. The jump button is used for clearing gaps in the world or for dodging one specific attack, a sweep attack. 
yes, you can jump around and you can attack enemies with jumps and make it look flashy, but it really doesn't add anything to the game. Jumping and attacking it actually does takes nothing. away from it because it looks like you're just cheesing shit. The animations don't really work. Like the jumping animation is not a fucking combat jump, right? It kind of feels weird when you use it. It kind of disengages it you. Yeah. It disengages you. It doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, it can actually punish you. And I'll get to that in a second. The dodge button in this game isn't really for dodging. Uh, you can certainly dodge a little bit in this game, but m because this game is so parry focused, most enemies' attacks track you. The game developer purposefully made the, abil the, the abilities on most of the enemies track you because the, it's supposed to be more of a parry game. So the, the dodge functionality is really for like dodging arrows when they're flying at you or the one attack that comes at you that you have that you're supposed to dodge the grab attacks. You're supposed to dodge those at the last second and, and everything's <clears throat> supposed to be last second. This is a parry game. When you jump and dodge these specific attacks, you're supposed to do them at the last second. You can do them early, but you don't technically dodge them. You can still get hit by them if if you if you go to dodge a grab and you dodge too early, they can still grab you if they track you uh, because you dodged a little too early or a little Hell, too late. You can dodge perfectly and just you were a little bit too close to them, right? Like you were too no, close a, to their there's body. There's actually a mechanic. Believe it or not, there's actually a mechanic to where you have to perfectly time it and it gives you invincibility to that ability. 100%. It's been tested. Now, doesn't feel it's, like it. It, it, of course it doesn't because it's, you have to be perfectly timed. Especially they don't let you turn V-Sync off. So um, right. if <laughs> the timing feels a little bit fucking different than Dark Souls, right. there's a little bit of a delay. So everything in this game revolves around pairing with your sword. Just about everything. Every enemy attack. They have something called posture. Posture is a bar that you and enemies get. When your posture bar goes up, if it reaches maximum, your posture or the enemy's posture break. Now, enemies don't really uh, do anything about this. When your posture breaks, you get stunned for a short couple seconds, maybe like a, a 1.5 seconds before you can do anything again. You can block or you can dodge. But enemies typically don't capitalize on this. Uh, Posture is really for breaking enemies. The whole game revolves around breaking the enemy's posture. Everybody has health bars, but you, you're really never going to just hit an enemy. There, there will be times where you'll find an enemy that's too shottable, and you'll swing two hits, and then they'll be dead, and then the posture icon will pop up, and you can execute them, but if you don't do anything, they just fall over and die. You don't get anything extra for killing them with, with an execution other than it just looks cool and it's loud. But bosses, e even if you get them to zero health, you have to execute them. You have to break their posture. And the less health you have or the less health an enemy has, the faster the posture will break. The more damage you'll do to the posture. And bosses are focused on this. Bosses, bosses and tougher enemies have little dots above their health bar and that's how many times you got to go through their health bar and execute them. The game is based physically on this. Now, the best way to break posture is to parry. <clears throat> it's the best way to break posture. Parry attacks perfectly timed. Now, you can become a god at this game. This game, you can absolutely 
and this is why I say this game is good, you put enough time into this game, you will be a god at this game, and you will enemies will come up to you and you will parry, 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 kill. Like even on bosses, you could absolutely play this game enough times over and learn bosses to a degree because bosses aren't like in Dark Souls. There's no like random abilities they pull out of their ass that you've never seen. Most bosses have two to three attacks, maybe four. And once you learn those attacks and you know exactly what to look for and you and it becomes muscle memory, you can actually have boss fights that make you look like a fucking golden god badass where you're just like, Perry, 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 Perry. There, there's, a, there's an enemy that has a spear that does an attack, and they do an attack where they attack, and then they poke, 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 poke. And every time you parry that poke, it doesn't interrupt the attack, but it fucks with their posture. And when you, when you get that, you actually want that attack when you learn how to deal with that attack, because what it looks like is they attack, and you parry, and then... Perry, 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 kill. That's what it looks like. And it's just like the, uh, you, you get this, you get abilities. I'll get to that in a minute. So <clears throat> you can absolutely play this game like a badass and it's fine and dandy and woo, look at this. I, I, I'm going through this game as a badass, but every single boss you come across, you will die to. Very rarely will you get a one shot. There's a couple bosses in the game that you you can definitely one shot because they have like two or three abilities to their name, like maybe the horse boss or something because he's not that difficult. Uh, it, you know, he's one of those bosses where you might get close to a one shot and die, and then you might. I die uh, I two shot at that boss, kind of, because uh, I beat him. I executed him. He got his health bar. I executed him again. And the game uh, didn't tell you that you have to do the final execute. Yeah, and then he fucking killed me. That's another problem with this game that, I, that <clears> I'll <throat> just throw out there real quick. It, it doesn't really teach you how to play the game very well. There are certainly little tutorial bits, but you'll be playing the game at hour five, and then you'll go stand in a location that you just never stood in, like on top of a building or something, and suddenly a little tutorial box will pop up that the game never told you that you figured out on your own or uh, yeah, well, here's, like, an, here's a quick example, and it's something stupid, but when you pick up your first, whatever, your Estus Flat, your healing gourd, right, it'll mm -hmm. say, uh, use left and right on the D-pad to cycle through your items and use up to use your item. It's not fucking there. <laughs> so I'm sitting there hitting left and yeah, right, and it's just blank. It, you have to go, you have to go your in your inventory and set it. Yeah, you have to say and I even went, of course I went into my inventory, but like it's, it kind of all looks samey. There's like four different screens and like I, it, I just missed the fucking quick item section and it's like, wow, thanks for fucking telling me that. And you know, even as a gamer, it might've been just a fucking dumb moment for me, but like I spent a good amount of time looking around the inventory and I just couldn't fucking see it. So like, yeah. A little bit more instruction would be nice. Another example of like hard for reasons no reason. that don't need to be. Zero reason difficulty. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, and I'm going to go into this a little bit. I know you said it'd be short, but it's really not. Like, there is an underlying problem with Sekiro. Sekiro is a good game. But if you're looking for Dark Souls, this ain't it. But that's also the problem is that it borrows from Dark Souls things that it shouldn't borrow. So when you go into a boss fight, you have to grind your face against the brick wall. It's all you can do. When you go fight the fucking butterfly bitch the first time, good fucking luck. You're going to die over and 
over and over because she has she has like eight to ten abilities this woman and she's all over the place she's flying around she's jumping around she's all over the fucking place she poisons you it's just fucking crazy she has illusions and you have to like snap these fucking peas and shit and get into fucking the illusions to disappear and it's gruesome okay because it's not like you can go and be like okay let me change to let me try this or let me summon a, a phantom or let me uh switch to a different weapon to deal with this bitch can't do that you have to play the game one fucking way and that's with the one sword that you get well they no also have they have the tools for your arm which they say like doesn't if, matter if well, they say that like if you have the right tool for the job, it'll make it a lot easier. Which Bullshit. you know may may or may may not be true. But the thing is, is like the game isn't always linear, so you Bullshit. never know if there's something you're missing, right? Like Bullshit. I found I found that firearm thing, and like before you did, and you were way past me, and that made the the fucking ogre dude a lot easier to kill because they they tell you two or three times that like fire scares him, right? And there's fire all over the place. You think, oh, maybe I got to use the environment. Now nah, he'll just walk through a fucking fire on the ground, you know, but being able to shoot him with the fire and have him get stunned for a while really fucking helped. And you had to do it without it. And you had no idea that that was a thing. Yeah. Well, he was easy for me because I just learned his three pattern attack or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> most well, of his attacks. That's what I had to do too, because guess what? All those fucking cool things you get on your arm, they have a very limited amount of ammo. That's right. And they don't fucking respawn when you die. And I was you can just only, about to say that. And you that. could only the buy tools. them with money. And guess what? Your money goes away when you die too. So the more you die, the harder it gets. And the tools are relatively useless early on, which is when you need them most. Like all the tools can, can you can upgrade the tools. You get a talent tree for upgrading the tools. You get multiple tools later on. And all these tools are great in the early game. The, they would be great if they were strong. Like being able to deal with the shield guys. The only way to deal with the shield guys is to use the big axe. You get the axe in the same village where you first run into shield guys. Okay, you get it before you get to them. That means you got to go back and get the axe. The axe oh, see, so I missed the axe. In one hit. Yeah, the axe breaks the shield in one hit. Okay, one hit, shield's broken. And you can immediately kill them because it does 100% posture damage to them when you break their shield. It, it actually does a lot of posture damage against bosses and shit too and heavier enemies. You can power through some enemies with it because you don't, when, when you're swinging it, you don't get interrupted. So you can power through some attacks and shit like that. Problem is, uh, two things. One, swinging through isn't a good idea because you get so little fucking health in this game. It's ridiculous. It's not like Dark Souls where you can you can go quite a while before you have to sit at a bonfire and restore your drink. Early game, you get one drink and then you got to get a second one. But the game is the game is so arbitrarily difficult early on because again, it's not about a build. It's not about armor. You know, in Dark Souls, you run up to an enemy and it's like a zombie and you can two-shot it and it never even swings at you. You don't get that in this game. Enemies block you constantly, okay? Every enemy is constantly blocking. Very rarely do you get to run up to enemies. It's not until later on that you start running into enemies and that you can get a power upgrade and kind of power through some of their attacks, and now you can just swing on them. But the, so the, the core problem with this game is just the arbitrary difficulty. Early game, you need those tools to deal with those enemies, but they don't give them to you that early. And then when you get them, by the time you get them, 
they're so mundane, they don't even work. So you come across this boss later on that's this charging bull. It's literally a fucking bull that runs around in this medium-sized arena area. It's not a really arena, but it's, it's like an arena. It's, it's a square area that's medium-sized. And he's got these two horns on his head, and they're, they got like, uh, they're covered in straw or whatever, and they're lit on fire. Now, this is a beast, and the game tells you use fire on beasts. Well, it turns out firecrackers scare these things, right? Here's the problem. Firecrackers don't scare it. <laughs> it has to be charging you for it to work. So you have to get the bull to charge you, and then you have to activate the firecracker. Now, there's a delay on the time that he, you hit the button and he animates to throw out the firecrackers and then go, Brah! and the bull is fast as fuck, okay? Your instinct is to dodge. But you don't want to dodge. You want to block. But when you block, because it's on fire, it slowly increases your fire rate. <laughs> this boss is fucked up, man. And it only has one health bar, fortunately. But the problem is, when you hit it with this firecracker, when it's charging you, and you time this firecracker perfectly, you hit it, it rears up off of its feet, and comes back down, and that's it. The stun is enough time for two fucking swings of your sword. Which ain't shit, my dude. It ain't <laughs> shit. A stunt. And you get 15 in the beginning of the game. 15 charges. This thing takes two charges. You can't do it enough times. It's not something where you're going to get to throw it out and, hey, it's its weakness. No. It's literally barely. It's, it's, imagine if you're jerking your dick and you're like, honey, wife, girlfriend, can I get a helping hand here? And from across the room, she spits at you. That's how much of a fucking helping hand it is, okay? Right? That's how helpful it is. Thanks. I guess I'll rub this on my dick now. That's how useful it is. It's, it doesn't help at all. Now, some people might be like, that's what I'm into. That's my fetish. That's right. <laughs> some people are going to say that about this game. It helps me a lot. Yeah, just like the guy that gets spit on from across the room. He's going to be like, yeah, I'm into that. But take my word for it. It's barely fucking helpful. And you need those things early game. You really need them because the game is fucking brutal early on. First of all, you go into the game. The game doesn't tell you, yo, 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 don't jump, don't dodge. Stop doing that shit. Especially if you play Dark Souls. Dark Souls, you go and you're like, I'm going to fucking dodge everything. Are you kidding me? I play Dark Souls. I know how to time dodges and get iframes. Well, fuck you, buddy. Because this ain't that fucking game. The game, could, the game should just tell you, yo, don't use this shit. <laughs> block, motherfucker, block. Because there's no penalty to blocking. In fact, the game rewards you for holding the block button down all the time. Because when you hold the block button, your posture decreases faster. Your posture bar. <laughs> so, so when your posture bar is high because you've been blocking a bunch of hits, how do you get, how do you lower it? You don't, it's not like Dark Souls where you let go of the fucking block button and your stamina goes up faster. It's the opposite. Hold the button down. It's <laughs> like the game developer said, fuck these people that play Dark Souls. Fuck them in the ass. That's what we want to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm still convinced that the, the developer fucking <laughs> just hates its audience. Like legitimately has contempt <laughs> for its fucking audience. And it's just trying to do everything it can to piss them off and frustrate them and they get off on it 
and people just eat it up and they're just sitting there like, I can't believe these guys haven't fucking figured it out yet that we fucking hate them. That's what it seems like. To to wrap this over and finish this off, like, like I said, this game is good. It's good in the sense that it's, it's a decent game. It's not amazing. It's not game of the year. It's not the next dark souls. It's not, it's not even bloodborne level. Okay. Bloodborne was like dark souls in that you could level up weapons and shit. This game doesn't have that. So here's, here's the ultimate crux of this problem is I've already talked about how it's difficult for no reason. It borrows the wrong things from dark souls and not the right things. But here, here's, here's the solution. Okay. The problem with this game is that it's trying to be something but not enough of something. So what they did, so if you don't know, From Software made a game a long time ago called Tenchu, Stealth Assassins. It was like one of the first fucking stealth games. I mean, I I know Metal Gear was technically one of the first stealth action games. It was like the same time Mm -hmm. as Metal Gear. Right. PS1 era. Tenchu was this game where you played as this character named Riki Maru, okay? Or I, I think it was Ayame was the girl's name or something like that. And, you know, we're talking, think think PlayStation 1 graphics. That's what I want you to think of. Think of that classic PlayStation 1 style graphics. So it was a third person over the shoulder type game. And it was an action game where you'd be put on a map and your goal is to assassinate a target. That's your goal. Assassinate this target. And in between you and the target would be all of these guards or something like that. And they'd be patrolling around. Classic stealth action. And they introduced concepts like you could crouch and stealth around. You could be up on top of buildings and enemies typically didn't look up unless you were already. uh, You can hide underwater and breathe with a a reed. Right. You had like (laughs) a reed where you'd hide underwater. Exactly. Uh, You you could press up against a wall and all that stuff. They didn't have like executing around corners, but the pressing up against the wall was to see through rooms and shit without exposing yourself and all this shit. And, And before you went into the game, before you went into the map, you'd you'd be given the option to take items with you. You'd have an item list of things you've collected or purchased or whatever, and you could take them with you. Uh, and the, this ranged from things like rice balls. You'd throw a rice ball on the ground and get a guard to walk over and eat it, and you could bypass them. Later on, you could get poison rice balls that would kill the enemy. But of course, this would cause caution effects and things like that because because now you know now this guy what what is this guy doing? Why is this guy dying of poison for no fucking? <laughs> you get blow darts you get you get shurikens all these different tools that could help you handle these problems and then they came out with the second game that that came up that kind of in my opinion was the best of the series it, it 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 you know expanded on the first game and made it better it looked better it played better they added, been, it could have been an expansion <clears throat> <laughs> no, this was a, this was a legit sequel. It looked it looked way better. It had similar systems to the last one, but it added a ton of different systems, uh giant major systems, and it added uh, a third playable character. I don't remember what his name was. Uh Tetsu Tetsu something or something like that, whatever. Uh and the story was good. The story was actually good now, like there was betrayal and all this interesting shit. And the the cool thing about these games is they focused on the stealth aspect to the degree that if you got caught versus one enemy, 
you could take that enemy on. There was certainly melee combat. And the second game expanded on this to a degree that you had dodging a bit. Now you could like dodge an attack and then follow up with a counter. You know, sorry. So the, the game got, but, but you couldn't take on multiple enemies. Multiple enemies would still fuck you. This wasn't like Shadow of War or Shadow of Mordor where you could stealth around, but as soon as you got caught, you could take on a hundred fucking dudes. This was your, this is a stealth game. If you get caught by one or two guards, you might be able to handle them. If you use like a tool to handle one guard and then you fight the other one. Uh, but ultimately the game was about stealth. If you got caught by multiple enemies, typically you were dead. That's what Sekiro needs to be. It needs to focus. It needs to do one of three things. Either focus on the stealth aspect of the game and head in more of that direction and move further away from Dark Souls and move more towards Tenchu or, and be its own thing. Or it needed to go further towards Dark Souls and move further away from the stealth and more towards the combat. There needs to be counter abilities. There needs to be... Uh, way more attacks like right now the way the game works is you get one attack pattern you you attack 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 that's it it's one two three one two three that's it there's nothing else and then you can unlock uh attacks similar to games like uh you know uh, devil may cry but you can only slot one of these attacks at a time you don't get to like unlock a bunch of different attacks and memorize them and now you have this fucking arsenal of of combat abilities you can use. You only get to slot, you slot it into a single slot and that's it. There's a second slot that opens up later in the game, but that's for like special shit. And it's irrelevant. Early game, I'm talking about early to mid game because that's where the shit matters. Because the first time playing through is what matters the most in this game. The second time you play through, it doesn't fucking matter because you know everything. You've, you've nearly perfected everything. It's not a fucking problem anymore. The, the, the first time you play this game is the most important, especially early game, because they're throwing you against really difficult samurai enemies right away. And I'm not talking about the regular guys. I'm talking about the guys with like two fucking nodules above their fucking health bars. These guys are fucking tough. And you have to kill them. You, I mean, you don't have to kill them, but if you don't, you're not going to get stronger. And it, they needed to go closer towards that. They needed to go more towards the melee combat because that's that it feels like this game sets in between like they want it to be in between stealthing or melee combat but then you're forced into melee combat most of the time so there's not enough stealth emphasis uh, but then at the same time there's not enough combat emphasis so they they either needed to lean further towards either one or they needed to just go extreme in both directions they need to do both of what i said go extreme in combat and extreme in stealth and have it be completely optional. But they don't do that. That's the problem. And they, they, they're too afraid to move away from Dark Souls. The game plays similar to Dark Souls, even its control scheme, which isn't bad. The Dark Souls control scheme is pretty decent when it works. Uh, and it works here. But it's too much like Dark Souls, but not enough like Dark Souls. You know, like... There, there needs to be weapons that you can acquire, not fucking tools that are weak and then you fucking do a talent system and then eh, they're just tools. I'm talking about swords, weapons, different types of weapons, spears, swords, axes, shit like that, bows, arrows. Like, why do you not have a bow in this game? 
Why do you, yeah. you, you have a shuriken? The enemies fucking do. Yeah, the shuriken is fucking useless. That's the first thing you get. The only thing that shurikens are good for are killing dogs in one hit and interrupting enemy attacks. So if an enemy is doing one of those red attacks that you can't dodge, if you throw a shuriken, it interrupts it. That's it. That's all it's good for. And they tell you stupid shit in this game, like the shuriken will build up posture when you hit an enemy with it. What? Okay. Imagine if you had a cracker, right? Imagine you had a cracker <laughs> and the cracker is the entire posture bar in this scenario. And then the game developer comes along and they take a, they, they take the cracker and they just tap the cracker until a piece of salt falls off the cracker, right? And then they pick that piece of salt up on the tip of their finger and they say, that's a lot of posture damage, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a lot of cracker. You're out of your fucking mind. What are you talking about? Are you fucking serious? You throw a fucking shuriken at them, even if it hits them and they don't block it, it's like... Eee. It does exactly what you think a shuriken would do. Yeah, it's like one fiftieth of the fucking bar. One one hundredth of the bar moves. And you only Whoa. get 15 shuriken. The best way to increase posture in this game is through parry. That's it. Attacking, the only thing attacking does is if they block it, it does a slight amount, just like the shuriken, a slight amount of posture damage if they block the attack. Uh, if they parry your attack, it does no posture damage to them, which they will do. And if you do damage to them, which you're likely to get maybe one, maybe two hits, depending on the enemy, in before they start blocking, the only thing that that does is lower their health a little bit. And the lower their health is, the more their posture damage goes up when you do damage to their posture. But overall, the best thing you can do in this game, the best thing you can do is parry every fucking attack perfectly. And that's how you become a god at this game. But uh, well, another it, it, problem that I got is the whole skill system. Because you do kind of level up, but like you have a bar... I don't know how high it goes, but every time it goes up, it adds a number. So you get like, you know, level one, level two, level three, and then you have to use that to get, get a skill. And there's a skill that would be really fucking useful to have where, um, when you do a death blow, you get health back. And, uh, the problem is every time you die, your shit goes back to zero. So the only way to level up is to kill a lot of shit without dying. Right? right, but at the beginning of the game, you die all the fucking time. So you're finding increasingly harder and harder enemies, and you're not getting any stronger. This game is actually more <clears throat> difficult than Dark Souls, believe it or not, because of something like that. Now, I will say that death doesn't really matter too much because gold, gold, and and, and it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Gold. gold and skill doesn't matter too much early on for you because everything you have to buy is pretty cheap early on. It's not until you start getting past the first two bosses that you start running into merchants that sell things for like a thousand gold and you're like, I need that. That's a fucking, that's another charge of my fucking healing flask that I can have. You know, I need to buy that. Or that's a, that's a, this guy's selling a prayer bead. I need that so I can combine it with these other three and increase my health. Early game, it doesn't matter. They're like, ah, buy some of these fucking things that let you throw shurikens, which those are fucking useless. Don't even use them. Don't even use your tools early game. Don't even use them. The best thing you can do in this game is learn to parry. Learn to fucking parry. And, you know, 
again, if they would have just went a little closer to Dark Souls, if there would have been a mechanic in this game where when you die, you can retrieve your gold and your skill, it would have been fine. But it's arbitrary for no fucking reason. For no reason, there's nothing like that. Well, here's I, the, here's I the understand thing that, really that it might be a little and... too easy to get back to it because you can just avoid pretty much every enemy. Pretty easy to avoid enemies in this game. Well, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Because mm-hmm. like, the part that really made me mm-hmm. want to turn the game off and come back at a later date, maybe, is to, it's towards the beginning of the game. You go into the past, and it's like a diverging path. You're not really sure if you're supposed to be there. It feels like it's way yeah, too no difficult direction. for you. There's yeah. no direction. But, you know, you press on. You think it's maybe a side mission. Apparently, it's like a whole other world to explore. But I wouldn't have known that if you didn't tell me. So. Yeah, Dark Souls does this <laughs> but, where there's multiple paths, but usually you know, like you you know where you're going. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's obvious. I'm going I'm going to this area over here, and there's a there's a boss at it. This yeah. game tries so, to do the same thing, but it because you mean, don't know what's coming, you go through this whole area, and there's a lot of enemies. There's a lot. There's a lot and of enemies. So you get to this one part, you finally come up across this. Uh, it's a fog wall. And right before the fog wall, there's the little mini boss guy and he will fuck you up. He will completely fuck you up. And when you die, you lose all your shit and you half go all shit. the way back. Well, all your shit plus half your money. It's always half. <laughs> no, it's always half. You use half of your skill points. You use ha- lose half of your well, money. Well, it doesn't matter because you're going to lose half always, and then lose half and then lose 50, half and then lose half. Yeah, it's oh. always 50% of 50% of 50%. Now, it could take upwards of an hour just to get there if you kill all the enemies. Because that's how far away the bonfire is, or whatever the fuck they call it in this game. So, after the second time, you realize that all you want to do is get to that boss, and you could skip everything. Yeah. You just fucking run by everything. So, that whole part of the game devolves into, I don't want to do this whole hour-long session again, just to get to that boss. So, but what ends up happening is you go and you, you, you fucking run to the boss, you're trailing all these enemies behind you, you hook up onto this building and you hide there until everyone resets. And then you have to, the, since the stealth isn't that good, you kill all these guys around the boss one at a time. You know, you kill one, they all get alerted, you hide, they all reset. You kill one, they all get alerted, you hide, they reset. Even that takes a, is, gets really fucking frustrating. Until it's just the boss, and then you can fight the boss who will inevitably fuck you up. He's a lot easier once you get a certain ability. But again, like, if you do this before you take the other diverging path, you might never know. Or if you don't take that ability, you might never know. So it's kind of fucked up that they make you like repeat all this shit, but it's not like Dark Souls where you get souls and you power up from killing enemies. There's no yeah, fucking there's, point. Yeah. When when you have to do a boss run in Dark Souls, <clears throat> you are rewarded for patience. Dark Souls is a game where you are rewarded for patience. This is why most people fail at Dark Souls. They're like, fuck, I want to get back to my souls quickly. Or I want to get back to that boss. Or this is boring. I just died for the 16th time and I don't want to go through these same And they're usually again. pretty generous about where they put the bonfires to where, you know, there's only a handful of enemies. Sometimes However, the bonfires right outside the fog wall. Game, room. There's no point in killing the enemies. Once you go through the enemies the first time and pick up the items on the ground, there's no point in killing the enemies unless you look in the farm. And when you look in the farm, you want to go to a specific area and activate items that let you acquire like a thousand gold in one fucking run. It, it's, and you know, they could have, even, even if they're sitting around, I know people are going to be like, yeah, but they didn't put souls on the ground because it's what you just said. It's too easy to get back to them. There's no challenge. Yeah. Bloodborne did it right. The first already like in Bloodborne, 
if you were killed by an enemy, sometimes your blood would drop on the ground. But sometimes an enemy would have it inside of them. You'd have to kill that enemy that might have killed you. They could have done that here easily. Hey, your souls go into this fucking enemy or whatever, your, your skill or whatever goes into this. Or, you know, they could have just had no fucking punishment for death other than I got to start over again. That's a good enough punishment. Okay, Japanese people? Jesus yeah, it's like you were Christ. saying before. It's like they punish you like way early on in the game. Way early. Which makes it really hard to progress when you need it the most. When you should yeah, be, it, like usually most games, you get all the necessary shit like one, two, three at the beginning, right? And then it's diminishing returns. This is like the opposite of that. You get almost nothing at the beginning of the game when you absolutely need it and you're still learning how to do shit. And Dark Souls... They, they help you with this early on by making it to where most of the shit to level up costs barely any souls. You can just go right outside somewhere and farm a little bit and boom, you got levels. And they also give you little things that contain souls. You get treasures that you can pop and they have souls in them. Uh, in, in this game, there's nothing like that. You get little coin purses, but coins are just for buying shit from merchants. It doesn't really help you that much. I mean, it, it, it's really coins. It, it's funny because if you look at the player base for Sekiro and anybody will tell you the best thing to do with your money is to buy coin purses, even at a loss. Because if you have a hundred, if you have 150 gold and there's a coin purse that a merchant is selling that gives you and the coin purse is worth a hundred, but it costs 150. If you buy that coin purse and you die, the coin purse stays. It's basically a banking system. It's basically what that's become. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of missed opportunities. It's kind of like uh, they took all the stuff that frustrated people, and they know that it frustrates people, and they oh, yeah. just went hog wild with that. It's it's sad because I was and I get why people want an easy mode. Game good. Yeah, well, and people, I mean, I would like an easy mode. I don't want. I don't want an easy mode. I want an options customization. I want customization of 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 things like, you know, whether yeah, or that, not I my mean, skills drop. Whether if, or not, if you're not you going to ask for them to revamp the whole fucking game to change their progression system and stuff, like it would be nice for me to be able to go through the game on easy mode, learn the systems, learn like where shit is and you know what I need to do, because. The worst part about this game and Dark Souls games is throwing your fucking face against something, not even necessarily a boss, even a mini boss or just getting through an area and not even knowing what is coming around the corner, if you're going the right way, if it's what you should be doing right now. Because I stopped after that mini boss. I don't know where to go after that. I don't know if I'm still how big that past area is. I don't know if I'm supposed to be there yet. I don't know if I'm supposed to be in the present doing that first to get an item. I'm just blindly fucking wandering through the world and yeah, there's no, which is fine. In a game like this. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, wandering through the world and exploring is fine when it's, you're free to do so, but you're constantly running up against walls. Yeah. Which would be that's, bad that's enough the, if you didn't have problem. to do it over and over and over again. That's the problem. You play a game like Bloodborne, uh, you come out of the, the first room. It's very linear. You go up a path, you do some shit. You, you come to an area and now it starts to kind of split off a little bit. You can go <clears> down into the sewer area or off to the side, or you can go up on top of the bridge. You go up on top of the bridge, you get a boss fight. Maybe you succeed. Maybe you don't succeed. If you don't succeed, you can always go down under the bridge and do some shit in this game. 
it's not like you come to a bridge and there's a boss and then after the boss there's nothing beyond the bridge it's just the boss in this game it's hey this guy's blocking your fucking path if you don't beat him you can't go now i know that exists for some places like like uh in dark souls 3 there's uh the the boral is or whatever the fucking boral of the vort of the boral valley or whatever but he's easy he's not difficult like you can clearly look at dark souls and see how the game developers understand they didn't just randomly roll dice and go this boss goes here they put bosses in certain areas based off their difficulty for a reason most of the most difficult bosses are optional you look at you look at the lessons they've learned over the years from something like uh uh you know fucking dark souls 1 some of the bosses that they would put in your way that were really fucking difficult uh but then you look at dark souls 3 and they learn their lesson from that they don't really put a lot of difficult bosses in your way uh, there are milestone bosses like the dancer or stuff like that but again you can just change your strategy for that. In this game, you can't do that. You, you get fucked up by... They're not even bosses. Okay, so in Dark Souls, you, 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 you get onto the high wall of Lothric, you know, and you're running around and you're fighting normal enemies and you come across a dude with a spear and a shield. And he's tough. He's fucking tough, right? The dude with the spear and the shield in Dark Souls 3, when you go in that room off, after you're on the rooftop and the thing transforms and you get the crystal lizard and a little crystal lizard guy runs away from you, you go down, kill the crossbow, and you go inside that room and it's full of like tables and chairs and there's that one fucking guy in armor and he's got a shield and a spear. Or, or, or after the dragon breathes fire on you and you run past him, there's the guy with the sword, the two-handed sword, and sometimes he, he does it one-handed and he's got a shield, right? Those guys are tough. They're really tough. Even for somebody like me that's played Dark Souls over and over, sometimes I get got by them. But you know what's crazy is you can just fucking skip them. You can skip them. <laughs> you don't have to kill them. In this fucking game, you have to kill the equivalent of those guys every time because they, can't, they don't respawn, first of all. They don't respawn. So they're similar to like the red eye. They're actually more similar to the red eyed guy that's off to the side. You know, when you're going to, to Vort uh, and you go to see the old lady in the chapel where you fight the dancer, if you go off to the left, there's the guy that's just looking at the wall. It's completely optional. He's just like the other uh, guys in armor, but he's got red eyes, right? He's fucking crazy. He's more difficult. He's got more health. That guy is completely fucking optional. He doesn't even give you anything for killing him. I mean, he may have a chance to drop something, but he, and when you kill him, he doesn't respawn, right? Like that's, that's what these samurai guys are. And they literally throw these guys at you fucking almost immediately. You go through like a dozen or so guys and boom, you got to fight one of these guys. And they have two fucking health bars. You got to kill them twice. You got to execute them twice. Yeah, and that felt really fucked up up the first time. Yeah, because I didn't know the first time you could sneak up on him. I'm like, oh shit, I can stealth kill this guy. So you you sneak up on him, you take your giant fucking samurai sword, your katana, and you stab him in the throat, and his fucking blood spurts out, and you're like, yes! And then what happens? He stands up. He stands up because he's got one (laughs) more health bar. Yeah, and you gotta fight him again. It's like, what the fuck? So you can make it easier by stealthing him, or you can fight both of his health bars. He's... 
he's more difficult than those guys on the Lothric wall there right before Vol or not the Lothric way wall, more uh, way he's he's way more difficult than them because in in Dark Souls enemies have stamina in this game enemies don't have stamina just like you don't have stamina there's no stamina in this game okay so they just they attack and they attack and they're relentless and they attack and you you there's no thing where it's like okay uh i see an opening in this guy's attack you have to learn his attacks because again it's not about getting around him and backstabbing him it's not about getting off to his side and swinging on him because he swung with a two-handed sword and now he's got a short time to you know you get that shit in dark souls where a boss will like swing their big two-hands boom and then they'll do this thing where like you see them picking it hefting it up over onto their shoulder again and you know that's your timing to attack you know that in this game that doesn't exist even guys with big swords they don't do that like very rarely there's like one enemy that that feels like a dark souls boss and that's the fat guy that gets drunk like he feels like a dark Souls because he's got some <clears> attacks <throat> where he animates low recoveries these samurai guys you have to fight that are named and don't respawn again you have to kill them because they drop prayer beads and you need four of those you need four of those to level up right and that's like another problem that's kind of like the same with dark souls but dark souls is better because you can opt There's in to no put your points into health well, you can opt into putting points into health, and if you're like, man, I, I just want to, for the next 10 levels, I'm just going to dump points into health and have it make right. a difference. Here, yeah. it's like you kill four of these guys that are really fucking difficult. This, they're the same you every get, single time. Yeah, and you get, you get these prayer beads, you put four of them together, you upgrade your health, and it's like a sliver of health. Like, so oh, if, it, if it took you two hits to die and you upgrade your health, it still takes you two hits to die. But the ultimate problem with these guys is they're spread out to a decent degree. Like, they're spread out, but they're not. So, like, it's like a dozen enemies and then a guy that overlords them. A dozen enemies and then a guy that overlords them. And you have to do this four fucking times to get any kind of sense of progress. You don't get an attack upgrade till you fight the first real boss, which is the horse guy, the guy on the horse, which is multiple. I mean, it's pretty far, but you're only going to have upgraded your health one time at this point. Yeah. So they're 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 few and far between, but they're not. It, it's difficult to explain. Like what they really needed to do was you get a prayer bead and it upgrades your health to a certain amount. And it, they could have taken the amount that you get, even if they could, even if they would have just taken the four prayer bead amount, the amount that you get for combining four prayer beads. Take that amount and and cut it into fourths. And then each time you get a prayer bead, I get to go to a bonfire and upgrade my health to a fourth of what four prayer beads would be. At least then it would feel like killing one of these guys is some kind of progress. But it's not because you kill the guy, you're like, oh, a prayer bead. And they're like, combine four of these and you can up your health. And like, oh, okay. And you run into another one. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to get another prayer bead that I can't use for two more of these fucking guys. Jesus Christ. And yeah. you run into another guy. <clears throat> and then you run into like a fucking boss. I don't even know what you classify it as. It's a boss, but it's not a boss because when you beat him, you get you get a prayer bead. <laughs> like, <laughs> you beat the fucking you. You run into the guy that has his hands chained together, and he breaks it off, and he's doing wrestling moves on you. The guy you were talking about with the fire. Yeah, you run into him, and he's got he's got um this giant fucking bar above his fucking above your screen, 
and you're fighting him. And when you kill him, you do the execute like you do on a legitimate boss and he drops prayer beads. And then you fight the guy on horseback. He doesn't drop prayer beads. He drops a memory of himself and you fucking consume it and you get attack power increased by one. It, it's so fucking, you don't feel. And by the time you get four fucking prayer beads, it's like you say, you sit down, you do it. It's like nothing significant at all. Yeah. It's like, what is this? This is not progress. There's no progress in this fucking game. That's the problem. The problem with Sekiro is the progress feels like shit. The only progress you make is distance. And you don't even feel good about it because you, you go through like 12. You go one way and you feel like it's not even the right way and you're missing something in the other direction. Right. And you sometimes, you, sometimes you hit a wall on both ends. Like you fight the same guy over and over. And you're like, okay, well, maybe... I don't have do what I need. And, Maybe and I don't have what I need wall. to kill this guy. Yeah, and you go the other way, and it's another fucking wall. And you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. In my game right now, I'm literally up against two walls. I got a bull that charges at me, and I got a fucking old lady that jumps around and makes illusions and shit. That's my only two options. You go through like 12 And your third enemies. option would be to go and explore the world and see if maybe you miss something, but you don't want to do that either because you don't even know if there's anything there. Right. And you have to go and fight all these guys and it's going to take forever. And you don't even know if there's going to be a reward for it. Best case scenario, you end up killing everyone without dying and maybe you can get a skill. For me, ultimately, this game is fun, but it feels like shit to a degree because you go through 12 enemies and you just destroy them because you get to a point where you're good enough to just destroy common enemies. They come up to you. It's nothing. Sometimes you don't even fucking parry. You just bam, bam, execute, bam, bam, execute. Like, like they're fucking nothing like they're paper you go through them then you get to this fucking samurai guy with two little health nodules and he just rapes you in front of everyone and you're just <laughs> sitting there with your pants around your ankles feeling embarrassed <laughs> and now you're just you just if it's for nothing you don't feel any progress because as soon as you kill that guy you kill 12 enemies and you you bump up against this guy and you have a hard time with him and you kill him and then you 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 can now Go to the next area where it's 12 guys and then a dude that's going to rape you. That's all it is. It's not like Dark Souls at all where it's like, what is this interesting area with new enemies? There's not even new enemies. That's another problem. The enemies are so... Like, I know for a fact that enemies do change to area to area to some degree, right? Because I, I get that. I know <clears throat> that. But they're all people. They're all people. Like, yeah, you get the random area where it's like, here's well, some You have to dogs. fight giant black cocks. You do fight giant black cocks. And that's where I'll leave the game. That's I'm surprised it. they don't slap you across the face as one of their attacks, just as a little you, you know, thing from giant the game developers. They're, they're so arbitrary, too. It's like they wanted to put other enemies in the game. But you don't even know they're enemies. an enemy. The first time I saw one, I was like, what the is fuck that a is giant this? Black cock? Do I talk to this thing? Like, what is do this? It pecks my fucking eyes out. <laughs> well, now you've given it away that it's not dicks. <laughs> All right. You could have pecked my eyes out. <laughs> Is it worth the price? Yeah, sure. It's a fun game. If you like difficult games, go at it. If you're one of these fucking mouth-breathing idiots that think that difficulty is the fun part of Dark Souls and that the challenge is what's fun, well, you know, before you kill yourself, play the game, I guess. 100% uh, though, if you're a Dark Souls fan, you might not like this game. You might not like this game. Well, the last thing I'll say about it is like, it, it, it can be fun, at times, but I enjoy hit, hitting, it. hitting the walls is really frustrating. I'd say like, it feels like you're having fun for a while, but when once you hit that wall, you kind of lose all motivation. 
And I, the thing yeah. is, is like the combat in Dark Souls Three, especially like I can only speak for like the three swords I mentioned before, but it feels very, it flows very well, right? Like you dodge, you get your iframes, you you know the animations are good. You swing your sword, you learn the timing, and it's not a button masher. This feels a little bit more button mashy, and just because of the way that you fight, like you said, they're pairing, you're pairing. There's no dodging. It feels very like swing clang, swing clang, swing clang. There's not like any smooth motions you with can, your sword you can right? get two attacks in before you before the enemy attacks you yeah. <laughs> you have to block every two attacks at most it, it doesn't feel like you're getting into a flow that you're learning patterns it feels very like i don't know how to describe it really it's it's difficult it's like like you fight a boss in dark souls 3 and if it, you've, you've played against him a bunch of times it's a lot of like you know when to swing you know when it, when he's gonna attack you dodge out of the way, you attack once, you block. You and dude, dodge, you, parry you parry in Dark Souls. You parry in Dark Souls is like, bam, it's a fucking amazing moment. And then you fucking murder the enemy. In this game, you parry. And if they're fucking posture meters, some enemies you can parry once or twice and immediately murder and it feels good. A lot of enemies you run into, you, you have to parry and parry and parry and parry and parry. You have to perfectly parry four to five times in a row before you can get that. It's fucking ludicrous. This yeah. game was, this game is difficult just for the sake of being difficult, and it doesn't feel good. It's the, it's right. What was the name of that fucking, uh, what was that Souls like Europe game, European Neo? game? It was made by uh, a bunch of Europeans. No, it was something else. Uh, oh God, what was, uh, fuck. It'll come up here. Hold on. Uh, oh my God, are you people really showing me? People who search for Dark Souls. Uh, it was made by some, I think it was called, was it Ashen? No, that's not it. That's upcoming. What was it called? It was like some uh, European, Lords of the Fallen. That's the one. Lords of the Fallen. If you want to see an example of how a game can fall on its face because it's trying to emulate Dark Souls but doesn't emulate the right parts of Dark Souls, Look no further than Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen is a pretty game. It plays similar to Dark Souls, but it's difficult for the sake of being difficult. Okay? Like you, you, the controls are, are not as good as Dark Souls. It doesn't feel like Dark Souls in the controls, which is its first problem. When but I say Dark Souls, problem, I mean Dark Souls 3, because that was my problem with Dark Souls 1. Right, too. Like, uh, playing Dark Souls 3 and going back to Dark Souls 1, it's like, man, it doesn't The real issue with, with Lords of the Fallen, though, is that aside from the controls, you, you run into enemies that are, like, the, the game is just, they purposely slow down your attacks and shit. Like, it's just, it's a decent game, and maybe we'll play it one day to get an idea for it before we end up quitting and saying this is fucking stupid. But, like, <laughs> It's really one of those games that tries to be Dark Souls, but misses the mark because it doesn't understand what Dark Souls is. And this is what I say to all these fan, it, these these non-fan fucking Dark Souls enjoyers, I guess is what you call. It's not about the difficulty. If you think it's about the difficulty, go play fucking. Uh, I want to be the Bashi. Well, the thing is, is like in Dark Souls, the difficulty actually kind of ties into the story, right? Like it helps build this this world that like. It's it's a fucking relentless world, and you're just a little man on the totem pole, and there's kind of a reason for it. And 
the, the great thing about the Dark Souls world is, like, even if you don't fucking know what's going on because they don't really tell you, like, there's a lot of visual storytelling. You get the sense that this was, there was, like, a great kingdom here at one time, and, you know, shit was going on. And right, it's you're, interesting. You're, you're, like, you're here for the end of the world. It's and, exactly that. It's an end-of-the-world situation, and you want to know, like, what, what was the world like before that, you know? Where's it going? Yeah, and I get, I get none of that from Sekiro. None of that from Sekiro, absolutely. <clears throat> Every area looks the same. The next area, it's not like Dark Souls where it's high fantasy and like you go to the, you know, Dark Souls understands. The developers of Dark Souls understood, at least they understood. I, I don't know if they've swapped people out or what's going on here, but they at least understood with Dark Souls. You could tell they knew because when you would come to a new area, there'd always be like some big door barring your way and your character would slowly open this heavy door and immediately reveal the next area. And you get this moment of pause where the door would open and the game would play this little jingle of boom and you'd have the fucking text pop up of this area. They knew that was important and that people liked it. They fucking knew that shit. You don't get that in Sekiro. Every fucking place is the same Japanese fucking temple slash castle. It's the same. There's an area where you go to a forest. It's a fucking forest. There's nothing <laughs> special about it. And guess what you're fighting in the forest? People. You're fighting people. You're not fighting demons. You're fighting people. Now, maybe there are demons later on. The game. I haven't played the full game to completion. So take that. Take this for what it is. Maybe the game is just fucking amazing near the end. I don't know. But the I'm sorry, it's very important. The beginning of the game is important. If you look at Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, well, here's the, the most important part of those games are the beginning. And you can tell there's a lot of love and passion put into the beginning of those games to, to make you feel as a player that you're making some kind of progress. And having, some of the most fun you have in Dark Souls is in the beginning because all the levels are cheap. It, it's you. So in the beginning of Dark Souls, you, you go in, like... I'll tell it backwards. When you're in game of Dark Souls and you're high level of Dark Souls, you go to kill a boss and you go back and you turn in your shit and you get one level. In the beginning of Dark Souls... It kind of gives you, you nothing. It, right. <laughs> in the beginning of Dark Souls, you go in and you're like, you fucking beat a boss and you go to your first bonfire and it's like 10 fucking levels. Holy shit. I just leveled up 10 fucking times. Look at my fucking health bar now. It's fucking massive. It's like, that's the fun. You don't get that here. It's the opposite. Maybe it's the opposite. I don't know. Maybe it just keeps fucking you in the ass and people want that. Probably, like, yeah. Sekiro, in the beginning, you feel like a weak shit. That you get nothing. My God. I, I've i played through the game. I How many hours do I have on this game? Well, see, the thing about it. Dark Souls is like when you feel strong and weak at the same time. Like if you have skill, it feels like you're strong. But you know that like one fuck up and you're you're going to be, you know, on your ass. All right, but, 12 hours. That's what I have in Sekiro. I have 12 hours in Sekiro. I have not played multiple characters. I haven't, I haven't left the game running while sleeping or going AFK. 12 hours. I have upgraded my attack damage once. I have upgraded my health once. 12 hours. Artificial. And I haven't, and I haven't been dying <clears throat> over and over to the same enemy until I... I haven't started doing that until recently in the last two hours that I played trying to fucking beat the Madam Butterfly or whatever. Every enemy I've fought, every boss I've fought, have only taken me like maybe, you know, three to four, maybe five tries. But the the difficulty is is in 
just the it, it it's the monotony of it that's the difficulty of it certainly i did spend a lot of time in the in the castle in the past but that's because i wanted to farm those areas and shit to a degree but I, i've only i've only been there it's for just, like it's really to hard hours. to get into a game and want to keep pushing forward when the environment doesn't really tell a story the story itself doesn't seem to be going anywhere you're, you're it doesn't seem like going any further is going to progress you quickly enough they don't give you yeah. enough to fight they don't give you enough strings to pull at the beginning of the game it's just yeah. blind wandering I think a good analogy would be imagine that you're uh, you're with your friends and you're climbing a muddy wall, right? And you're climbing up this muddy wall and you're fucking nailing it. You're rolling 20s, man. <laughs> and the dungeon master's like, you fall down. This actually like, happened. What? <laughs> yeah, you roll a quit. You roll a natural crit. You fall down. What? What are you talking about? You can't do that. Yeah. No, not just that. It's like you roll a 20. Okay. Um, roll another one. 19. Okay. You fall. You take yeah. 10 points of damage and all the people who were standing beneath you also take 10 points of damage. Also all the monsters and what are it, now alerted. Yeah. And what did we do? Um, all right. Well, I guess we leave now. I guess we leave. That's <laughs> well, exactly it. I guess I'm not fucking doing this shit anymore. This That's isn't an analogy. Is. This happened when we tried to play D&D Sek one time. Sekiro <laughs> is the fucking muddy wall you're just going to keep trying to get to the top and it's just going to keep knocking and you know some people are going to make it and some people are going to make it because they want to see the end or some people are going to make it because they're masochists or some people are going to make it because they're like me and they're just like fuck it i'll do it eventually but most people are going to play this game and go this is not fun every time it's the equivalent of like every time you do something successful or every time you make any progress like you have a nun standing over you with a fucking whipping stick. And every a time, uh, yeah, and she just <laughs> slaps your fucking hand every time you do something you're supposed to do. Every, every fucking time. And you just go nowhere. See, Dark go Souls nowhere. is like, there's, there's enough time where you feel like you can make it through. It, like, it's never easy. I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's easy sometimes. It's hardly ever easy. But you hit but that wall and you... Yeah, it's never difficult just to be difficult. And Sekiro, I had I had a point here, and I just kind of forgot. <laughs> fuck it, fuck it. Sekiro, don't buy it. It no. just fucking frustrates me. It's it's a decent game. I'd say play it if you're in if you're into Dark Souls, you might not like it. That's just. I my mean, warning. it's well made in the sense that like it's real. It's way it's, it's a Japanese it looks, game. It's it, well made. It looks good. It runs There's no good. Fucking bugs. But all the things all. that are wrong with it are intentionally wrong with it. It was a conscious decision to do some of the shit that is wrong with yeah. it. It's not incompetence. And that's why I hope that uh, From Software stays away from Dark Souls for further forward. I don't want another Dark Souls game. I want, I want to see what make, they can do with like a more traditional else. game. Move away from Dark Souls. Get get away from it completely. Do something else. Go back to Tenchu. I don't give a fuck. Go back to fucking Tenchu. But move away from Dark Souls because all I at this point after Sekiro, the, what I do know 100% is that the game developers don't understand what makes Dark Souls good. And all they're going to do is fuck it up. All they're going to do is fuck it up. I don't want another Bloodborne. Sorry, Bloodborne's cool, but after Sekiro, I don't want another Bloodborne. I thought Sekiro was going to be amazing. Like, oh my god, another spinoff. They fucking nailed Bloodborne. It was great. All they did was show us that they don't know what the fuck people actually enjoy about Dark Souls. They listen to this stupid fucking... They listen to the people that don't play Dark Souls, okay? It, it, I, I don't know how to explain to people. It's like... It, 
Go on fucking Twitter and look at all the fucking people that join in on hashtags. They don't fucking, they're not a part of it. How many fucking people do you think are really fans of fucking Star Wars that are part of that fucking hashtag right now? <laughs> yeah, fucking, it's like, you're, you know, here's the best fucking thing I could say about this. You know how in video gaming 10 years ago, people were like putting out fucking uh, blog posts and, and uh, shit like that where it was like, what if Zelda were a girl? Remember that shit? You remember Zelda that is shit? A girl. You remember that shit? Okay. You remember that shit where all these fucking idiots were just coming into gaming for the first time and they're like, what if Zelda were a girl? Because they don't fucking know. Okay. They don't play Legend of Zelda. They don't know who the fuck Link is. They don't know who Zelda is. They just see the cover and they're like, that must be Zelda. It's the <laughs> Legend of Zelda. Do you like Aerosmith? Yeah, I love him. <laughs> right yeah i love him i love that guy zz top yeah i love him <laughs> Tetra for tall yeah i love him <laughs> it's like my god that's the same thing with dark souls people people that play dark there are a lot of people that have maybe looked at dark souls or dabbled in dark souls slightly and failed but they want clout they want clout. Clout's the most important thing to these people. And it's a lot of fucking people. So they just go around saying, yeah, I beat Dark Souls. Or yeah, It was easy. Dark Souls. It's the same type of people that come into Twitch chat and like, this is easy. This was easy for me. I did this super easy. No, you didn't, you fucking lying faggot. And you don't know who Link is either. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's the same thing. And then the developers read this because that's the most popular shit, right? It's the loudest fucking idiots on the planet. And on the internet, and they're just over here going, eh, difficult. I it's easy. I love how hard Dark Souls is because I'm an elite epic gamer. I look at I play with one hand. I beat I beat I, Dark Souls with a guitar hero controller. <laughs> I beat Dark I did a no hit run. How many no hit runs exist that are documented, by the way? I don't know. One. One. One, maybe two. Maybe two, one, maybe two. Well, you can't all that work, all that fucking time and work just so uh, people you, scrolling you, through no, Facebook you, could be like, huh, interesting, and scroll right by. And scroll right by your shitty ass clout. And you know what happened? The game developers looked at all these losers looking for clout, and they said, I guess people like the difficulty. <laughs> Let's make the next one super hard for no reason. And then Sekiro's going to come out, and everybody's already praised it. It's amazing. It's great. So the next, they're going to, we're going to make a Dark Souls of 4, everybody. Oh, man. Yeah, finally. It's going to come out. It's going to be the same. Fucking get your head to smash in over. over. <laughs> Dark Souls of 4 comes with a hammer you can hit yourself in the head with and give yourself a brain damage before you yeah, break. Comes, comes with a bottle of Jack Daniels and a handgun. <laughs> comes with a bottle of Jack Daniels and me, the game developer, the guy who made it up has come. I, I jizz in it for you. You drink it. I have my jizz in there. You're going to open, you're going to buy a physical copy and open the box and it's just going to punch you in the face. It's good. You're going to open gonna, up and gonna, the, the, instead of a disc, it's just going to be like a middle finger. They're not going to release a dis digital version at all. You have to buy, buy a digital copy. Yeah. And you, it's like a jewel case, a classic jewel case. And you open it up. <laughs> it's like hard it's, to open. It's like they got the government plastic. <laughs> there's no seals on it at all it's just you have to break it open only or compatible and, with windows xp and when you open it there's no disc there's just jizz it's just <laughs> somebody's game 
where there where there's like an area for the disc to sit. Somebody's just came on there. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. They hate their their consumers. I'm telling you, man. But yeah, the thing about Dark Souls is like it, it has all these great stories that could have been told from like, you know, when that whole region was in its prime and thriving and everything. And it's kind of the same reason that like Game of Thrones is kind of interesting. It's got a good story like in the time that it's being told. Sure. But like you always hear about all this other shit. Like who's the who's the first prince that was promised? What the fuck was his name? Azura High. Yeah, like there's that whole story that you just kind of hear tidbits and you're like, wow, that would have been an interesting story. There's the whole thing with Jamie killing the Mad King. It's like, man, all the events leading up to that were probably pretty fucking intense, right? Hmm. So like, it, it kind of feels like you're seeing the aftermath. You really are seeing the aftermath in Game of Thrones, right? It's like all these events that you just hear about and see in flashbacks sometimes. Yeah. And now, like, even all the people that were in charge and in power in the first couple seasons are all dead. And it's all, like, the children coming into power That's now. That's why it's so good. It's like, it's like Lord of the Rings. Tywin's dead. And fucking it's like Lord of the Rings, Rings are dead. they started way back at the first fucking battle with Sauron, you know? Yeah. It's like if they started there and you'd see all these old characters and they'd be dead. And then, like, the only guy left is the fucking elf dude. And you're like, man, this is coming full circle. <laughs> yeah it's like all the leaders of the houses are dead and it's all the children like taking up arms now and fighting the undead and shit so like real life yeah kind of same same shit different people and uh speaking of game of thrones zero days left today is the day did you see the meme i posted in discord yeah i did the butthole symbol of approval underneath it <laughs> Because he has no dick. Yeah. <laughs> zero days. Oh, uh, that's a go. <laughs> yes, zero days left. So I know we talked a bunch of theories yesterday, but no one was around to hear it. So yeah, go ahead and give yours. Let's hear what you got. I don't know what I actually think is going to happen. I'm just, just make a decision that... right now. Make a decision right now. Right now, you have to make a decision. If you have to make a decision, gun boom. to my head. Gun to your um, head. Uh, just the key, just, I mean, you can answer whatever you want, but key things about a characters you care about where you think they're going to end up. Uh, you don't have to do characters you don't care about. Uh, and B who sits on the throne at the end, uh, and see what happens with like the white Walker thing. Well, first of all, let me preface all this by saying, I'm glad that it's in a place where like anything could happen, even given like yeah, absolutely. all the prophecy and everything and all the kind of like, Hey, it would make sense like, if all this like happened. idiots in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, what was that example that you gave? Um, what we were talking about that, like, would have been a poetic ending. Oh, the Cersei and Jamie thing. Like, it would be yeah. kind of poetic that Jamie kills Cersei and everything. And, like, it would be. And from a writing standpoint, it makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. he's he's kind of realized that she's fucking crazy and he's in this place where he loves her, but he realizes she has to right. die. And with the Mad King, it wasn't really, he didn't love the Mad King, so it was easy for him. Now it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. And like, it now would we make get sense. To see if but it, because, because it's, it's also, Game of Thrones, hold on. But because it's well, Game of Thrones, like, it could be in a place where it's about to happen and then the tables turn and the mountain comes out of nowhere and just crushes <laughs> Jamie. So just like, on the just on the Jamie theory, by the way, the, the reason why that's poetic is because originally he kills the Mad King and everybody calls him uh, Kingslayer, which is like a derogatory title. I mean, he has that King moment. He has that moment in front of Branna. Like everybody hates Jamie up until the moment where he's in the tub with Branna and and he gives his reasoning for it. And 
pretty much everybody I know immediately flips with Jamie right there and is like, man, Jamie's actually kind of a good guy. He's like, he's like, yeah, I, I killed the fucking king, but he's going to burn everybody. I wanted to save people's lives, right? That's what, that's his reasoning. So if it does come full circle and he, and now he's got his, the woman he loves who he thinks is pregnant with his child. Like now he has to make a decision. Is he really the noble knight that he claimed to be that wants to save everybody? Or is he really just selfish and, and was doing it for his father all along and, and isn't going to do it? Let people die, right? Like that's, that's the poetic part about it, but go ahead. Sorry. So I think at the end, it's going to be a mixture of uh, some of that, some of like table turning and some shit you expect. Now, I think it's entirely possible that the whole season is a clusterfuck, right? Like everything fails. The white walkers just roll through the fucking, like the whole land and end up winning. And the fucking series ends with the night King sitting on the iron throne with right. nothing around everything frozen winter, like in middle of winter. You think <clears> it's like a horror movie? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like fucking minor key music. <laughs> yeah. I think it's entirely possible. And I think it's entirely possible too, that you get the happy ending because you know, there's so many fans, everyone loves a happy ending and they can always do the shitty ending or the true ending in the books when George Martin, you know, finally does that. So this, you know, they want to sell the spinoff that they're making. So maybe they got to, there's so many ways it could go, but what, what do I actually think will happen? <clears throat> I, uh, some Starks have to die. Like I said yesterday, there's a surprising number of Starks still around. You know, yeah. even they're surprised. <laughs> I thought Bran was dead. I thought Arya was dead. <laughs> I thought John was dead. John's dead. Yeah. John was dead. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. I don't think they can keep John and Danny alive. One of them's got to go. Okay. No, they're both, you know, part of the prophecy, the prince or princess that was promised, right? So. I don't know. I don't, I think you need John more than you need Danny. I think you need the dragons more than you need Danny. Right. And they're kind of attached right now, but once you get John involved, you don't really need Danny so much anymore. Cause he's a Targaryen. And I think like once you want the love story to happen, but you don't because it's kind of fucked up that they have sex, you know? And once John finds out who he really is, um, I, that's probably going to come to an end. So now you don't have the love story anymore. You got the dragons. You know that he is like the father of dragons. And uh, you kind of don't need Danny anymore. I think that's going to be the big death early on that no one wants to see is Danny. I think that'll happen before the third episode. Mm. Um, what else? Tyrion. Oh, God, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I, I think he's going to live throughout the whole thing just because he's he's such an underdog right like it's weird that he's still alive after this long it's yeah. the unexpected thing you expect him to die because how it's like battle's gonna be everywhere there's gonna be nowhere uh, excuse me nowhere safe how how is he gonna make it he is somehow it's gonna be some weird thing where he hides in a place he'll never think to look <clears throat> the interesting right. thing i think is like the dragons you got two living dragons and one undead dragon like, do you think the undead dragon is going to burn Danny in some weird kind of like ironic death? Hmm. Now there's still the whole thing with like the dragon glass and the Valerian steel. You got, you got a blacksmith, you know, you got the knowledge from Sam and you got the dragons. So there's, <laughs> there's that whole thing. I think that that's definitely going to come to pass. 
They're going to make all the weapons they need, so that's going to be a non-issue. Because that was the thing, like, before the show started getting all fast-paced like it is now, you're like, God, there's so many parts that need to come together for them to even be able to kill the fucking undead. You know, like, it seemed like an impossible task, but in the span of two episodes, they already, you know, just fucking went to Dragonstone, got the dragon glass, made some daggers, went to the north, captured a thing, Danny came to save them, and then they all came back, and that was like two episodes. So, being that there's only six episodes, and there's still a lot to wrap up, um, it's going to be pretty fast-paced, I think. So, I think they're going to have the weapons and everything they need pretty pretty quickly. Um, I think you're right about the wall, or the north. The north is going to fall, and everyone's going to have to push south. Uh, I think Davos is going to die. He always says he's not a fighter. The smuggling is not going to do a whole lot of good. Um, God, who the fuck really matters? Uh, I think Arya will live. I mean, I like Arya's character in her story arc yeah. and everything. I want to see her do more assassinating. Um, I don't know. I think Sansa's going to die. I think that's the unexpected one. Yeah, you think Sansa... I don't know how, I don't know why, but I mean, once there's no more Winterfell, what's the point of her? <clears throat> you know, there always has to be a Stark in Winterfell. Maybe she dies in Winterfell and that's kind of like her poetic ending, right? Like, well, there's always a Stark there. She did, but. She always Stark from Winterfell. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of, it would be kind of interesting though, if like when they take Winterfell, they start raising up all the dead Starks. Like we see Ned Stark as a zombie again. Oh, I think we're definitely going to get stuff like that. I don't know if we get Ned, but man, that would be crazy. I doubt we'll do I doubt they'll do that. Though. Or um, uh, Ramsey Bolton as an undead. <clears throat> I mean, that, if you could bring people back to life, like anyone who wasn't burned, they can pretty much bring back in zombie form and be like, oh shit, and have like the double poetic justice, right? Like if fucking Walter Frey comes back and kills Arya. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Here's what my theories are based around. I base most of my theories around the prophecies. Now, I know George Martin isn't a religious person, and he's even gone on record in interviews saying that prophecies sometimes aren't really actual prophetic. Sometimes people make them what they are. So it's it's like the Jesus thing, right? Jews believe that Jesus was not a prophet, that he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey because that's what it said in the Bible. The Bible already said that's what the next prophet's going to do. And <clears throat> Jews believe that uh, Jesus was just a guy that took advantage of that <clears throat> and got popular and whatever. Um, that's what George Martin means by that. But this is a fantasy thing with dragons. I think it's going to be played on a little bit. Uh, I, it's why I really don't stick to it. So we'll, we'll discuss the prophecy after I give my predictions. So my predictions, by the way, are <clears throat> that... And this is my final prediction. Uh, Jon Snow dies. Daenerys sits on the throne. I'm going to say that right there. So the opposite of what I think. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just a little too easy. I, I, th- the reason why I'm saying that is because it goes against the prophecy. Well, I got prophe- to wait and see for Jon Snow because he comes back to life <clears throat> for a reason, obviously. Well, the reason isn't obvious. Yeah. Once that reason right. becomes apparent, he's fair game to die again. Up until yeah. then, I don't think he can die. Here's here's the thing. Everybody, listen, I'm with you. I think from a writing standpoint, it makes sense to put John on the throne. Why? Because 
A, I don't think he goes toe-to-toe with the Night King. I don't think he's the one that kills the Night King at all. I think it's Bran. I think Bran has more to do with defeating the Night King because I think it's a battle of warging or whatever the fuck, right? It's going to be something like that where it's, it's a battle of mind and power like that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Jon Snow one-on-one with the Night King. I'm, we might see that, but I think Jon will be turned away or injured or something like that or saved at the last second. Like maybe, maybe it's going to be one of those things where they meet on the field of battle and he's finally fighting him. Uh, but Bran, you know, it's right before Bran defeats him or some shit like that, like in the past or something. I think Bran, I think so you, there's this theory in, in, um, in uh film called, uh, oh God, what is it? It's, it's fucking, what's the guy's name? Oh, no. Chekhov's gun. That's what it's called. <clears throat> so Chekhov's gun is this idea that if you, show it, if you show a gun on the wall in your movie, you have to use it by the final act, or what's the point of showing the fucking gun, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's Chekhov's gun. So something that they've shown... Now, this, again... This could this could be, and I'll, I'll destroy my own theory at the end. But well, it's because my, it's Game of Thrones that they could do that as misdirection. There's well, a lot on. of my that. theory. My theory is that well, you don't typically do a lot of misdirection in art like this because you want to wrap up stories. Now's not the time for misdirection. So one of the things that they showed very heavily, and they wanted to get across, was that Bran can reach out into the past to some degree. We saw this with him speaking up. And Ned kind of hearing the echo of Bran saying, Father, right? Uh, and then he was warned that the ink is already dry. That was the thing. The, the past has already been written. The ink is dry. Okay. Uh, but, by the way, same voice. That, that guy is the same guy who did the voice acting for Skyrim's introduction. Just throwing that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great shit. Uh, what, Max von Sydow? Yeah, Dovahkiin. That's that's him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so <laughs> they further expand on this with the Hodor thing. Hodor is uh, and and the the Raven takes him there. He knows that Bran needs to be in that vision at that moment in order to even create Hodor, so that he could be there, not just to hold the door. But all the other shit to follow him through. By the way, that makes Hodor such a great character. If you don't, if you don't make those connections, it means that Hodor, his entire fucking life, even though he was mentally affected by it uh, from having that seizure, his entire life he knew who Bran was and what, and that he was going to die at that moment. He might he might not have knew that it was actually going to happen. He might have thought it was a dream his whole life. But the moment that he's sitting there freaking out in that cave is probably the moment where he realizes I'm going to die here. This is just like this is just like I saw when I was a kid and had that stroke or whatever that fucked me up. Yeah. <clears throat> That's probably why he freaks out. Uh so Bran has to warg into him and and the raven even tells him, "Do what your friend listen to what your friend's telling you." He's he even tells him, "Listen to what your friend's telling you." And he makes eye contact with Hodor in the past, who at that moment is clearly able to see Bran. He's clearly able to see him. And he wargs through him. And, and at, that, at that time, Hodor is able to see through Hodor's eyes in the future. 
and see all this shit that's happening. And the process of it's that. It's like this fucking closed the loop. Fuck up. His, yeah, it <laughs> scrambles his brain. The process of that scrambles his brain. And the only thing he can remember coming out of that is the thing that's repeated to him. Hold the door. Hold the door. And he just repeats it his whole life. Hold the door. Hold door. Hold door. You know, he's a little retarded because of it, whatever. <laughs> okay. So that, that, that's the character. The, they're showing us. They didn't have to show us that. They didn't have to show us that. They could have had Hodor pick him, not freak out, carry them all out, get out there, and the, she could have looked back and said, Hodor, hold the door. Barricade the door. She could have said anything, right? Could have said anything. By the way, if she would have said close the gate, he would have been known as Colgate. <laughs> she could have said anything she could have said just hold them off keep them keep us safe, whatever and hodor is the type of person that would have sat there and held the door shut he would have done that because that's what he does he's always just followed direction they they didn't need to show this like how hodor was created thing they didn't need to do that there's a purpose to them showing that and it's that the past can be messed with Hodor didn't become the way it was just randomly. Well, can it be? Because by messing with the past, it just keeps paradigm. it on with the. It keeps it in line with what the present is, right? Well, we know. So we know in reality that the only way that you can solve a time paradox in real life is the theory that if you were to go back and mess with the past, you would you would spawn a new timeline that branches off. A timeline where you existed in that timeline. Well, at your not necessarily. Age, the the other option is that time is linear, right? Like, so if you go no, back, it doesn't and, work that way. Well, if you go back and kill your grandfather, right, and or you, let's just say we'll kill your father, right? So before he bangs. Your well, mom. you're going to go off the other theory that you, it would be impossible. Like everything. No, no, no. Happen. It wouldn't be impossible. But if time were linear, right, and you go back in time and you kill your father, it's like, oh, well, there's no one to go back. There, there's you know, you're never born so there's no one to go back but that hasn't happened yet in a linear right. timeline you just came into existence the future hasn't happened so you kill your father your father dies and now you're in that timeline forever yeah that's the spawn th that's the new timeline theory because you already come from a timeline where that didn't happen right but if time's so linear that whole timeline gets erased it's not a second timeline it's the timeline still but it, that it first doesn't, one doesn't happen but that's the point it, it, physicists talk about that this, this doesn't work the math doesn't add up it doesn't work it creates a paradox it can't be answered logically it can't be answered like how does the t the timeline get erased there's no there's no way to explain that therefore there's no but, sense in even discussing it yeah, I, I mean, there really is no point in discussing it because it's something that can never happen. It's like the, what's that fucking staircase, the never-ending staircase? It's yeah, like, the, yeah, we yeah. can conceptualize it, but it'll never exist in real life. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of things we can so, conceptualize so that are never So the only possible. two realistic timelines that could possibly, uh, time travels that could possibly exist in real life is the alternate timeline theory, the, the, the one I explained where you, it branches off and creates a new timeline. And that's under the idea that there are already multiple timelines. It's the multiverse theory. Uh, the multiverse is just a way to explain multiple <laughs> I tweeted, timelines. I tweeted at Neil deGrasse Tyson. I hope he would answer this question because I'm sitting there eating breakfast and I'm like, so if there's an infinite number of timelines, is there uh, like, do I choke on my breakfast every fucking morning and die? Right. Yes. Essentially. But like, That's is there also another timeline where no, I no, choke no. on my breakfast every morning and live? Like what kind of existence is that? Well, here, <laughs> I fucking yeah. hate breakfast. I constantly choke and live through it. And it's hard <laughs> to comprehend because it's every single moment for each person. Crazy. Yeah. 
it's crazy, but it, th that's the, that's the concept. I mean, there, so there's another timeline out there where everything but is exactly, about, exactly well, the not, same as this one, except one hair is out of place on one person. Well, it's not about, it's not necessarily about exactly and always existing. It's about possibility. It's a possibility in between one and infinite. So, you know, it's a possibility that there's every single one with hairs being out of place, but uh, it's also a possibility that it's only big giant decisions. Like it, you don't choke on your cereal every morning. It's just that one time where you almost choked. There's one where you did choke and one where you didn't. Right. So it, it's the possibilities. So the other timeline that's possible is the, the no harm can be done timeline. That's where you go back in time and you try to kill your grandfather, but every time you try, the universe just won't allow it. It just, Things keep getting in the way. Things keep happening that make it to where it doesn't, it's not possible. You can't change the timeline. It's already written in stone. Or you can, but then it turns out that that wasn't really your grandfather because you killed him. Right. Right. <laughs> Stuff like that. Just all these different things that aren't possible. So it would just, it would just always be something like you go to shoot the gun and something gets away. Whatever. Right. Like shit like that. People that die are supposed to die at your hands or, or otherwise. And because you were never in the past, you can't actually kill anybody. So every time you try to kill somebody, the, and, and that's some like the unit, you know, the, the reason why people don't really follow that theory. Well, is that implies it, that there's like a higher it, power or a, well, not like necessarily on. higher power, but there's some kind of like thing in play. There's, there's some control in play. Yeah. That, that somebody set in rule sets. Now that, the possibility of that timeline it is the uh, that's that's the uh, but it's not even that's possible. The, that's anyway, the, that's because... the existence is a is a uh, what do you call it a, a simulation? Is yeah. this reality well, is a I mean, simulation? That's the time theory for that one because uh, think about are, this for there a are second. Program rules in place, but the the if we're not a simulation, it's more likely that you could spawn timelines or multiverse. <clears throat> but think think about this for a second. If time travel is possible ever, it's possible now, right? Even if it's possible in yeah, ten thousand right. years, it's possible, possible now. Anymore. But if you think about like we have no like frame of reference for where we are in the universe, right? Like there's the observable right. universe, but then, but then there's all these the galaxies universe. swirling really fast, and then there's our star swirling around the galaxy really fast, and then there's um. The, you know, the earth going around the sun really fast. So if you can, it's space time for a reason. It's really just one thing. If you can travel through space teleporting, then you can travel through time teleporting the same way. But yeah. since everything is moving so fast, how would you pinpoint where you're going to end up on earth? How would you even make sure you're on earth with everything moving so fast with no frame of reference for the entire universe? Like yeah, if you go back in time, you could go back in time and be in the same place, but that well, place is just in that's, deep space, right? Yeah, like you're that's, just, right. <laughs> that's why calculation, you like time travel is going to have a lot to do with calculation. Like if it's, if it's possible, you're going well, to, we'd have to, we'd have to map Earth's the entire the universe <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Unless it's one know, of those like uh, X-Men exactly. last stand situation, not last stand, but the, um, Fuck. It'd be a, it's a future be a, past, right? Where you go back within your own consciousness. Yeah, that that's that's a pretty realistic situation, right? For the the simulation theory, I think, is that you'd go back in your own consciousness. Yeah. Uh, but uh. Anyway, tangent. Sorry. But in but in movies and games, they don't usually adhere to these rules. 
typically in movies and games, they're just fine with paradoxes. So I'm not going to use the paradox to explain away the idea of Bran fucking with the past. Because Hodor being created is a paradox. But the show doesn't seem to care that it's a paradox. So that means we have to assume that paradoxes can just fucking happen. Okay? So that, that's the idea of it. So that means that any kind of thing that would lead to a paradox is fair game. My theory on this is that the reason why they show us these things happening is because Bran is going to go in the past to defeat the Night King. Because if you can't defeat him in the future because he's too powerful, you can probably defeat him in the past when he's weaker. Right, but uh, by the same logic, if he goes back and tries to do something to kill the Night King, it's going to end up the way we see it in the future. Because we saw Hodor as Hodor before he went back and did all that shit. That's possible, but... So really what that implies is it's not the sure first yet. time because there must have been a first timeline where Bran didn't go back well, to change well, it, right? That, that's the question, right? Uh, maybe he has to stop himself from going back. What, what if defeating the Night King means killing Bran? Now, this is where we get into prophecies. This is a good time to get into the prophecies that are written. So let's talk about Azura High first. Most people think Azura High is Jon Snow. Azura High's prophecy, Rick, uh, some people say it's Daenerys. So Azura High reborn, uh, according to the prophecy that after a long summer, when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavily on the world, and there's variants on this, when, a red, when the red star bleeds and the darkness gathers, or, uh, he shall be born amidst, again, amidst smoke and salt. Uh, he shall wake the dragons out of stone and he shall draw from the fire a burning sword light bringer. So a lot of people believe this is Daenerys because in the, if you go back and watch the first season, there's the red star happening. This is why Stannis is proclaimed as Azura High by Melisandre on the beach when he's burning all the old effigies of the old gods and stuff like that. There's the red star. At the same time, this during the same season, Daenerys... Uh, kills herself essentially and burns in the fire with Dro- uh, with Cal uh, Dro- uh, Drogo and emerges reborn essentially and she wakes the dragons out of stone eggs so that's pretty much a close reference and and people say smoke and salt well bodies are composed of salt and it's she's burning bodies uh there's there's a lot of smoke well, obviously there's a lot of sand and there's salt there and i believe they're on a salt flat or something like that when it happens i don't remember but uh it's it, and the cold breath of darkness of course is the white walkers coming so absolutely azura high could be daenerys so but what would she do with a sword the burning sword that's the question what would she do with a sword well maybe the burning sword is a metaphor maybe it's not an actual burning sword so, I mean, I still don't know what the burning sword yet. He shall draw from the fire a burning sword. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe John's the burning sword. I don't know. Maybe it's like super deep in that. Maybe it's an actual sword. So in order to get the burning sword, we have to look at one thing. So we know that uh, Barak can just light his sword on fire. Okay. <clears throat> That's a power that he has. It's a magical ability. What we know about the original Azurahai and what most people point to, and the prophecy never really says this. The prophecy never necessarily says that Azurahai reborn will 
draw a burning sword the same way he did the first time. The first time Azurahai drew a burning sword was he tried to forge a sword uh, to defeat the knight, the 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 the, the White Walkers and all that. And uh, and he 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 did it multiple times and it never worked. He would plunge the sword into oil and it, it shattered. He would plunge the sword into the heart of a lion and that didn't work. It wasn't until he stabbed his his wife named Nisa Nisa. They're from the east, whatever, weird people. Uh, <laughs> and when he pulled it out, it was on fire. Okay, so he stabbed his wife in the heart. Some people believe this is John and he's going to stab Danny. I've always believed that if they're going to do the Nisa Nisa thing, if it's not John and it's Daenerys, Whoever it is, I've always th- thought that Nisa Nisa Dora. is going to be Nisa Nisa is going to be Bran, and the idea is that Bran is going to be warging into the past and creating the Night King accidentally because of the loop concept, and that somebody the only way to stop that is going to be to kill Bran. Cut the link, kill Bran right there, stab him in the heart. So we'll see. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, and one of the interesting things, though, is that well, Bran, Bran doesn't really mean anything to Danny, but right? it does mean something to John, right? So that's I don't know. It's kind of rough. Well, how does the prophet? How does the first part of the prophecy apply to John? Exactly. How, the first part of the prophecy doesn't really apply to John. Uh, how, well, to some degree, uh, if you look at it metaphorically, after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world. I mean, you're talking about just John's lifetime. He's only like 20-something in the book. Uh, well, he starts he was, out as 14 in the book, right? When he, when he was born, he was definitely born against smoke and salt, you know, with his mother giving birth and bleeding to death. And uh, yeah, there's all these like, and again, it's like George Martin. Sometimes George Martin's not literal. But some people have said the prophecy could apply to two different people. You know, it could apply now, to... If you had to write a prophecy for a book, you think like, It'd probably be better to like write the prophecy first and then try to do what George Martin did and like make things fit so that everyone else is like trying to do the same thing. Like, well, now, now according to the it. prophecy, it goes a little deeper. Azura High will make the world anew. Azura High will triumph over darkness, will bring a summer that will never end, and death itself will bend its knee. And all those who die fighting in Azura High's cause, cause shall be reborn. That's what it says. Okay. <laughs> So that's that's the that's the prophecy of Ezra High. So uh, apply that however you like, but that I've always thought so that the Bran zombies would win. Be the, <clears throat> well, <laughs> they're all reborn. <laughs> so let's move on to Cersei because that's another big character I think that people care about. Cersei I think is going to die, uh, and you talked about this uh, at the hand of Jamie. I think it's poetic, and we've got into that. I'll just the only thing I'll but say. But do you think I'll, they're going to do I'll, the expected poetic thing or turn the tables and? Well, I'll just go to her uh, prophecy that she received from Maggie. Maggie the Frog was a witch. And they even show this in the show in one of the seasons. They yeah. cold open with her talking to Maggie the Frog, which means that that prophecy has some kind of clout. And if you look at the past prophecies that come soon, Cer- Cersei asks her, asks her, when will I re- wed the prince? Maggie says, never. You will wed the king. Cersei says, I will be queen, though. Maggie says, I, queen, you shall be until there comes another younger and more beautiful. Cast you down and take all that you hold dear. Now, she believed this was the entire time throughout the show. She's always believed this to be the other chick, the chick from Highgarden. Um, what's her name? Starts with Marjorie. Marjorie. She's always thought this was Marjorie. 
That's why she always hated Marjorie. But it's actually probably more than likely Daenerys to cast you down and take all that you hold dear. Because it's Daenerys that has been, that, that's going to take that throne from her and shit like that, right? She says, will the king and I have children? Maggie says, oh, I, six and ten for him and three for you. Gold shall be their crowns and gold their shrouds, she said. And when your tears have drowned you, the Valencar shall wrap his hands about your pale white throat and choke the life from you. So this is interesting because the Valencar is is a, a specific word that means brother. Mm. The brother shall wrap his hands about your pale white throat and choke the life from you. Uh, so that's interesting. It means little brother in high Valyrian. She's always believed this was metaphoric. The choking the life from you is metaphoric and that it's, that it's Tyrion. This is why she's always hated Tyrion. She received this prophecy as a young girl. This is why she's always hated Tyrion. She thought it was him. But interestingly enough, Cersei Lannister and Jaime are twins. But Cersei was born a little bit before Jaime, which technically makes Jaime little brother. It's like <laughs> the ultimate narcissism, right? Like ultimate <laughs> they fucking love themselves so much and they love each other because they're twins. And of course, the irony would be <clears> that <throat> at the end of all things, the one person that cares the most for Cersei and Jaime is Tyrion. Right, which we know Tyrion is supposed to be this villainous guy because he's a Lannister. But every time something comes along where he's supposed to do something bad, he has a hard time doing it. He has morality. All right, and the last thing that she received, she said, "Will I marry Jamie?" Maggie says, "No, not Jamie, nor any other man. Worms will have your maiden head. Your death is here tonight, little one. Can you smell her breath? She is very close." So I I don't know what the last part there was all about. That's weird. Uh, she <laughs> responds, piss on your prophecy, old woman, <laughs> and then walks away. Uh, so, you know, whatever. So that's an interesting takeaway from that. Now we'll move on to Daenerys. Uh, I think, I, I, would, I do think that they're probably going to pull a switch on us and, and kill Jon. Uh, because I, I mean, that's think... possible. I just don't think it's going to happen yet. It's got to, he's got to come back for a reason. From a writing standpoint, just like the other point I had about the other thing, it makes more sense for Danny to die because of all the things that have happened to her, but also her prophecies. So Danny has had prophetic vision. Uh, the first known experience she had was a few days before she were, was wed to Khal Drogo. She, uh, she has a dream of Viserys Targaryen hitting her. And then it turns prophetic as she witnesses the hatching of a dragon. Her thighs, uh, in the book it says, her thighs were slick with blood. She closed her legs and whimpered as if in answer. There was a hideous ripping sound and the crackling of some great fire. When she looked again, Viserys was gone. Great columns of flame rose all around and in the midst of them was the dragon. So this is the prophet, the, the concept that she loses her baby, but she gains a dragon and her brother dies, right? That's the prophecy of this. Later on when she's pregnant, uh, the crones, the Dosh Kalin, predict her to be the eventual mother of the stallion who mounts the world, of course. They claim that when the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, when the seas go dry and mountains blow in the wind like leaves, when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child, 
then he'll, he will return and not before. Of course, they're talking about Azura High. Now, this is the interesting thing because Azura High could be if John and Daenerys do have a baby. It's some fucking deus that's macking a shit where like actual Azura High like just descends from above like, <laughs> and just fucking goes all ape shit. Azura High <laughs> and the prince that were promised could be the same person. So Azura High could be John and Daenerys' baby. Uh, because what they're talking about here, they're talking about it doesn't the seem like they have time the for that, though. Right, exactly. That would mean that Daenerys can't die anytime soon. <clears throat> she would have to die later, okay? Uh, and not, like, to the sword. Instead, she would die in, like, childbirth or something like that. Whatever. But the way that they word it, she talks, they talk about the stallion that mounts the world, where we know she miscarried her first kid. But that doesn't mean her second kid would be miscarried and wouldn't be the stallion that mounts the world, which... In, in the Dothraki version, it's the stallion that mounts the world. But in, in the normal version, it would be obviously Azra High or something like that, right? The prince that was promised. Or the it could be was... literal. Like, maybe their child literally fucks the world, <laughs> right? Like, he does something that completely fucks up the prophecy. Right. Um, so, she also has all these other visions, of course, of like, uh, you know, her crossing the wall. That, that was a prophecy that she would go north of the wall and there she would find only death. And of course, she lost a dragon in the process. Um, she, does, she experiences numerous visions while she's in the House of the Undying. Uh, it says in the book, farther she, on she came upon a feast of corpses, savagely slaughtered, the, the feasters lay strewn across overturned chairs and hacked trestle tables asprawled in pools of congealed blood. Some had lost limbs, even heads, savaged limbs, clutched bloody cups, wooden spoons, roast fowl, heels of bread. On the throne above them sat a dead man with the head of a wolf. He wore an iron crown and held a leg of lamb in one hand as the, knight might, as the king might hold a scepter. And his eyes followed Danny with mute appeal. That's obviously talking about Ron and the Red Wedding. And then she gets a prophecy that so uh, she gets a prophecy that says a beautiful. Uh, she sees a beautiful naked woman being ravished by four of the dwarves who serve the house. Uh, she sees a feast of slaughtered, slaughtered corpses holding cups, spoons, and food with a dead man and wolf's head. That's the one we just talked about. Uh, Daenerys's childhood home with the red door in Bravos. A large stone hall in which dragon skulls hang on the walls. On a towering barbed throne, an old man dressed in rich robes with dark eyes and long silvery gray hair, telling a man standing below the throne, let him be king over charred bones and cooked meat. Let him be the king of ashes. This is the mad king, of course. So all of this shit is true. These visions she's having happen. So these are all you know letting us know that these are real visions so when we get to the ones that haven't happened yet it makes you think like okay this is real shit she sees a room with a silver-haired man resembling Viserys Targaryen he tells the woman nursing a child in a bed that their son shall be named Aegon and tells her that the child is the prince that was promised and that that is the son of song the song of ice and fire right uh we everybody that read this always thought this was the mad king or, or sorry, that this was uh this was the the woman nursing a child was uh what's his name? Um Elia Martel, right? Because one of Elia Martel's sons was named Aegon, right? Yeah. But 
Jon Snow's real name is Aegon Targaryen. It was right there in front of our face the whole time, by the way. That's the, yeah. that's the, the splendor of that, right? The silver-haired man is, looks like Viserys, but it's actually Rhaegar. And, and Danny wouldn't know this because she never met Rhaegar. She was a small child when she was taken away. She, didn't, she, doesn't, she wouldn't remember exactly how he looks. He would look similar to Viserys to him, which he does in the flashbacks. Yeah. And, and he, tells, he tells him, this is the prince that was probably, this song is, a ice, is of ice and fire. Well, why would his song be that of ice and fire if it's a Martell? But if it's a Stark who lives in the north, the cold north, ice and fire, I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, she gets a splendor of wizards who falsely claim to be the undying of Karth and offer to teach Daenerys Targaryen the secret speech of dragonkind upon reaching the chamber, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the undying showed Daenerys many more visions before attacking her and being slain by Drogon. Uh, Viserys' gruesome death, she sees that, uh, which she had already had already happened. A tall lord with copper skin and silver gold hair beneath a banner of a fiery stallion with a burning city in the background. She believed this to be her son. Uh, maybe. <laughs> a dying prince. Uh, but more than likely, that was Drogo, uh, Cal Drogo. I don't know. Uh, a dying prince with rubies flying from his chest mutters a woman's name with his last breath. This could, of course, be a uh, fuckboy that got killed during the Purple Wedding. Yeah. Ruby's flying from his chest. A blue-eyed king who casts no shadow raises a red sword in his hand. Man, oh, that, that's a blue-eyed king who casts no shadow raises a red sword in his hand. It's easy to think this is the Night King, but Jon Snow has blue eyes, and the concept that he casts no shadow would mean that he's pure light. He's good. And he uh, raises a red sword in his hand. That's Azra High, man, a red sword. That's a good evidence that he's Azra High, but it could be the Night King. Uh, a cloth dragon swaying on poles amidst a cheering crowd. A great stone beast takes wing from a smoking tower, breathing shadows. Daenerys' silver, uh, silver trotting through grass to a darkling stream under a sea of stars. A corpse standing at the prow of a ship with bright eyes and gray smiling lips, a blue flower growing from a chunk of a, ch a chink in a wall of ice, filling the air with sweetness. So, you know, there, there's a lot of crazy shit, but she's also been told like, you know, she's going to return. Um, and here's some of the quotes that I was talking about with George Martin. He says, prophecies can be a tricky business. Prophecies are, you know, a double-edged sword. You have to handle them very quick, carefully. They can add depth and interest to a book, but you don't want to be too literal or too easy. Uh, you know. <clears throat> uh, so it's very interesting. Some of the dreams and, and prophecies that she's had, I think she's going to die because she had that one where she walked north of the wall and she saw Drogo, Drogo there and he had their unborn son with him. And he even mentioned that they'll see each other eventually, right? They'll see each other. That could just be some poetic shit, but why, why show that if you're not going to have her die, right? I think she has to die. Well, I mean, she's going to die eventually. She's not no really attached what. to anybody on the <clears throat> planet. She's not really attached to anybody. She has no real family. I mean, yeah, John's technically her family, but they, they don't really have a real attachment. I don't know. We'll see. I think she might die well, in China. They were attached for a minute there, right? <laughs> I think if they do do that, they'll probably have her die in childbirth because she's not a fighter. And nobody wants to see her be stabbed to death or something. Dying in childbirth works because it's similar to Lyanna Stark. Uh, 
and then it leaves John alone with a son to raise and and mold into the prince that was promised, the great king that'll change the world and shit like that, whatever. Uh, lastly, we have the, uh, <clears throat> the I guess this is the um, prince that was promised shit or something, right? Or Azor Ahai himself. Uh, we already talked about that. Some people think that Azor Ahai and the prince that were promised could be two different people. Um, Melisandre mentions the prince that was promised and Azurahai interchangeably. Uh, but it's interesting because the prince that was promised is not necessarily Azurahai. Uh, it's a prophecy, a prophesized leader or savior um, that will deliver the world from darkness. But it does have similarities, like a bleeding star is supposed to herald the coming of the prince. But it, you know, and it says that his is a song of ice and fire. And, and it doesn't say anything like that about Azura High. So these are some comparisons. So uh, Azura High is the bleeding star, but also the Prince's Promise is a bleeding star. But then Azura High doesn't get, there's no mention of the song of ice and fire, which is the whole fucking, by the way, the whole fucking book is called A Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. Yeah. So that's very telling. And the prince that were promised, the, the prince that is promised, their song is a song of ice and fire, uh, which that just doesn't match up for Daenerys at all. It matches up for John very heavily. Uh, in fact, or their kids. Uh, prince Rhaegar Targaryen even thought that he might be the prince that was promised in his youth. There's the line in the book where they talk about. Uh, uh, he states that uh, he he like uh, he he goes up to one of his uh like some knight or something that's like a part of his house or something and he's like i will require sword and armor it seems i must be a warrior right after ha having read about the prince that was promised so he believed it to be himself but when elia martel uh <clears throat> elia martel discussing what he shall name his son aegon he states he is the prince that was promised and he is, his is a song of ice and fire that's what people believed but now that we know that Aegon Targaryen, see, that was because it was from the prophecy they were talking about the son Aegon. Yeah. Uh, but everybody believed he was talking to Elia this whole time. They haven't even redacted it here on the wiki. But uh, it's clearly John they're talking about. Why would he call a Martell and, and a Targaryen the, a song of ice and fire? That doesn't make any sense. The, the Martells come from the desert. So it's crazy. Uh, it also means that uh, John has the best of both worlds. I mean, he he really fits the bill. I think him sitting on the throne with a dead Daenerys is a bittersweet ending. Honestly, I think it's very bittersweet. You have everybody wants John and Danny to sit together, but if Danny dies in childbirth, that's pretty bittersweet, right? She dies, but hey, she got to have her baby and John sits on the throne with the baby. I wouldn't take that too literally. I mean, it could be bittersweet just because mm -hmm. the show's ending, right? Yeah. I think he was talking about the book, but a similar concept, I guess. Uh, Sansa, I think Sansa survives. And everybody yeah. else is fair game. <laughs> everybody in between for me is fair game. And if they die, I won't be surprised, honestly. You think they're going to have, like, did you think they purposely Jamie, kept the fan favorites alive? Like, you think Arya's safe because she's got so many fans and shit? I think Arya's safe because somebody has to start a faceless man sect in the East. 
or the West rather. Yeah. <laughs> well, she doesn't. But she's I like, like the she's like the, uh, the exile, right? Like she doesn't want to be part of the actual. She's the survivor. Yet. She fits the bill of the survivor. You know that survivor character that's always surviving. Uh, that that feels like her to me. Um, she's also not the heroic character that would throw her life away. So, yeah. I think um, if there's one thing I could absolutely predict that I was almost 100% on, I'd say that when Cersei is being killed by Jaime, uh, Jaime's going to lose his life in the process, probably to the mountain. Yeah, it makes sense. It depends. It depends if he goes to uh, it's gonna be kill a, her a, before or after the mountain fights the hound. It'll be this great moment of redemption where Jaime... Shows his self being a great hero where he sacrifices everything. The woman he loves, possible child, because he still thinks she's pregnant, even though she's lying and she miscarried. Uh, pick that up in season seven. Go back and watch it if you haven't. Like some of those episodes, just look for the scene. You probably find it on YouTube. Uh, clearly lying to them. I think Kyburn lets it loose or something in a scene. Uh, using that to manipulate Jamie. And even uh, Tyrion to some degree. It'll be interesting. But I got to go because I actually got to go over to my brother's house so I can watch it in two hours. Because <laughs> yeah. we watch with them as like a video. Well, party. I hope I can watch it because I got HBO and Amazon. So if you get HBO now yes. or HBO Go, it shows at the same time as uh, when it actually airs. I don't know about Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's the same. If you, if you have HBO as a subscription on Amazon, it's no different than owning HBO on cable. So same time? Same time, nine o'clock, nine p.m. Nine o'clock. Wow. Nine p.m. Give me time to rewatch it. (laughs) (laughs) Time to rewatch. That's right. Uh, What time does it start tonight? Uh, According to the Telegraph, HBO has said, "God damn, so many words just to tell me." April fifteenth, episode one is fifty-four minutes. Do you really not have the time on here? I Googled it earlier. This but I wouldn't give her a TV guide. You know? What time does Game of Thrones comes on? According to this, uh, HBO says April 14th, Game of Thrones premiere date. HBO Sunday said it will premiere the final season of the fantasy series Game of Thrones on April 14th. The eight episode, eight season of the series will air at 9 p.m. According to the network. 9 p.m. All right. Well, next Sunday we get to talk about it again. We should just convert to a Game of Thrones podcast. A Game of Thrones podcast with a little bit of video game in between. All right, fantastic. I talked to Monty, by the way, about Borderlands, so maybe we'll do some Borderlands 2 coming up when Monty gets onto that, and then we'll talk about Borderlands 2 and how much it sucks. Yeah. And, but it's funny. Funny and fun with friends. Yeah, there, there can't be a game that has it all, right? It can't have, like, good gameplay, good looting, good story. It's got to have two out of three. Solid, man. It was almost Metal Gear Solid, and then Konami yeah. fucked it up. Yeah. Right, right angry Joe? <laughs> <laughs> you done fucked it up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to the Ben Shapiro show. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be, you're going to see the old Seeker 127 name around on the artwork until let's get Ben I Shapiro my shit on the show. <laughs> yeah, he'll talk about it. Deba- I'll debate him. Even though yeah. I agree with most of the stuff he says, he's wrong. We'll get him I'll... and Dash on the, in the same episode. Yeah, that would be hilarious. God, that would be, I think the universe would implode at that point. Like, Forget about you just, the Hadron you're Collider. Just, you're just a rat. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes like that's not an argument. Here's here's my very reasonable put together argument. Like 
Yeah, but yeah, but you're a rat, dirty, dirty rat. <laughs> Yeah, that's All right, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Electronic Gaming Mostly Podcast. I'm the artist formerly known as Seeker127. Now going with the Night Terror, because the night terror. is dark and full of terrors, my dude. Night Terrors. Uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv you know, slash the Night Terror. Night with yeah. uh, <laughs> Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and I create content. When this you, is you know, one of those uh, contents. The night terror. That's that's a, a metaphor. It's spelled night with a K, but it's a metaphor. It's like those night terrors. You know, when you wake up in the middle of the night sweating with cum in your pants, night terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the double entendre. Uh, and you can hey, find me at but the best part. Flesh the Gabbler, by the way, where we're making Twitch great again. Uh, Gabbler's also going to be changing his name. We're thinking uh, Maga Man. Maga Man. <laughs> <laughs> Probably taken. Most names are Trump supporter. Just yeah, easy, easy money. So brave. Literally, really. actually, fucking racist. <laughs> racist Nazi. Yeah, just uh, enjoy. Uh, come, come watch my stream while you can before they deplatform me, and then I end up on the Ben Shapiro show. Wow, 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 Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully, we will get our shit together and start doing this podcast again every Sunday. We're planning on next Sunday, so be sure to uh, download us on all your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes. We're on iTunes still, somehow. Do it. All right. That's all we got. Thanks for listening, and we will not visually see you next time. All right. Later.